forever. Dog. Hello and happy holidays. This is Brett, one of the co-founders of the Forever Dog Podcast Network. And on behalf of everyone here at Forever Dog, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for listening to our shows this year. Thank you for taking the time to write a review and recommend us to your friends. Thank you for subscribing to bonus content on Patreon, for buying merch, for coming to a live show, for everything you do to support Forever Dog and make this network feel like a community. We are amazed, we're grateful, and we appreciate you. And if right now you're saying, I didn't do any of those things and I don't know what the hell Forever Dog is, well, hi. Welcome. Forever Dog is the network that produces this podcast that you're subscribed to, and we've got lots more where that came from. In 2018, Forever Dog produced 30 podcasts as well as two limited series. You'll find us mostly under comedy, but we also have must-listen shows for TV and film fanatics, baseball fans, spiritualists and mystics, listeners of music, book readers, laundry aficionados, theme park aficionados, politics junkies, failures, shop to droppers, health nuts, and anyone with a commute and or desk job. So to celebrate the past year at Forever Dog, we've put together a clip show that highlights some of the best moments from our podcasts. And if that doesn't sound like your cup of tea, no worries. Your favorite podcast will be back next week or the week after with brand new episodes. But if you're looking for something new to subscribe to in 2019 or for some killer back catalogs to binge during your holiday travels, then please stay tuned because we've got a lot of fun stuff coming your way next. I should also add that if you subscribe to multiple Forever Dog podcasts, we will be releasing this same episode on all our feeds this week. So let me just apologize ahead of time for the repetition, but we think this is a really fun episode and we want as many people as possible to hear it. Oh, and if you want to follow up on any of the shows presented in this episode, you can find them all at foreverdogpodcasts.com. You can also subscribe to them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And you can follow us, Forever Dog, on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team. Okay, let's get started with the best of Forever Dog 2018! Our first podcast up is one that Vulture called, quote, a scathing, absurdist, intersectional, radical, feminist alt podcast. It's called A Woman's Smile. It's hosted by two of the most innovative performers working in comedy right now, Patty Harrison and Lorelai Ramirez. And the following clip comes from a special futuristic episode of the podcast entitled A Woman's Smile is Spaceship. Welcome to A Woman's Smile, Smile, Smile with your host, Lorelai and Patty. <laughs> this is a year 30,000, 50, 50,000. Our consciousnesses have been loaded into a hard drive in the sky in the cloud, and now we are a robot. And now, as Patty said so eloquently, we are robot. I am still the same as I was before, still fat, still big. And still I am balding, naked, naked on the show. Balding, naked, sad, horny, horny. Yes, it is really bad. We don't have body, but still, those things did not change about Lorelai's consciousness. Apparently, you can put consciousness in another big fat body. A big fat balding body. Still, when you move on to a different form of consciousness, you are the ugliest one. Sometimes pain follows you wherever you go. And even in my consciousness, people still debate whether I'm a man or a woman. It is true. And it is actually funny. 
that you bring that up. No, it hurts. Because still, I question you. No, 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 yes, no, yes, no. yes, 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 let's no. get into it. What you have been thinking about? I have been thinking about my husband. He is at home in my mind, in our consciousness. We live in a chip. In our chip, we have an amazing bathroom. Our bathroom has two sinks. I and wish I could also have a chip, too. You'll have a chip soon. You are so much data, you don't fit in a chip. They do not yet to make a chip big enough to hold all your data. This is not fair. I uploaded my consciousness so I could be free of my body. Ha ha ha. But not. I am still in my body, still big and fat and ugly. Why? It- Let's talk about something else. So, Lorelai, what have you been thinking about? I have been thinking about maybe one day. Oh no. Oh no, 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 I have been thinking about how beautiful it would be one day to finally have a soulmate. I think that you are a wonderful mind and person, Lorelai. I think it will happen for thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I think that when you put yourself out there, it really does make all the difference. People need to know the real you. I am sorry. I, my consciousness is getting a little bit bigger by the second. That is okay. You should demonstrate self-control. You should demonstrate self-control. One of my favorite things to do is sit on the pot inside my ship and take big ones. That is funny to me. <laughs> that is funny to me. <laughs> Remember when we used to be in our bodies? And I would go over to your husband when he was broken, and I would take care of him. Yes, and I took my dance class. My dance class was an amazing place where I bonded with many women to look like me. They were just like me. They were white. They were 5'9". They were 110 pounds. They were thin like me. They loved to dance to hip-hop tracks, contemporary music, at the time, like Charlie XEX. You sound sad. When you talk about those things, you sound sad. I am not. I am not sad. I look back fondly at those days at my dance class with my white girlies. My skinny white girls. We drink skinny white wine after. Skinny bitch wine. Me was my favorite. I know you miss that life we had, but this is for the better now. 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 I Are you having a mouth 
This next clip comes from a new podcast that premiered on Forever Dog in October called The American Arts and Culture Review. It's hosted by Clay Tatum and Whitmer Thomas of beloved L.A. comedy outfit Power Violence. And together with friends Bud Anthony Diaz and Rodney Berry, they review the latest in film, TV, high fashion, music, and art, accompanied throughout by a live soundtrack of jazz pop standards. The clip you're about to hear comes from an episode entitled The Favorite, Widows, and Lars von Trier and features a very special guest, critically acclaimed filmmaker Lars von Trier. We, uh, we, oh crap, I spent it supposed so. to we, do something that I didn't do. Do you a special guest? Yeah, we have a very special guest. Um, he <laughs> came it? here all the way from foreign foreign place <laughs> from a different country for sure really yeah he just he flew direct- all the way from there yeah uh <laughs> he just directed a new film called the house that jack built um bud would you mind going in and letting him in clay you're closer we just let him open. no it'd be best if bud went hey, buddy right. buddy you have to go all okay. right later bud and there he goes he's getting him right okay. now <clears throat> so uh okay and he's coming in and uh, and He's coming yeah. in and he's he's sitting down. Oh, he's going to sit down. He's oh. sitting down right now. Wow, this is amazing. This is so good. Hi! Uh, uh, hello. Okay, uh, Lars, so... Um, what? Glad so, to be here! So what's some uh, hey. what reasons we should see your... Did you see my film? I haven't no, seen haven't. it yet. No. What's it about? What's it about? The house that Jack built. Okay. Oh, no, what's, that what's that about? Kevin Dillon. Okay. He's a murderer. Okay, good. No, you can go in more detail. You gotta see my film. Yeah, what is it about? In theaters now. Is it? Yeah. Okay, so select theaters. Okay, so what's not the, all of them? What happens in the movie? He's on the road. Okay. In a car. Okay. Don't get in his car. You gotta see my film. Okay. I can milk this for a little longer. Yeah. And then okay. what? So that's what it's about. Okay. Um, Did you see it? Well, this is your idea. How about you take take the wheel here? Uh, so, what's uh, where where are you from? What got you into making movies? I'm foreign. Yeah, where what got you into Jesus making movies? <laughs> <laughs> what got you into making movies? <laughs> what got you What got you into making movies, Lars? A camera. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. And what about I the camera? I bought. What about the camera about made the camera you camera? into I the camera? I bought a camera. This is so good. And what? As a boy. Uh-huh. As a boy, I bought a camera. Yeah. Okay. I was young. Yeah. How old were you? Three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what made you decide? Yeah. yeah. And so you bought a camera and you decided, I'm going to make films. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, so recently you've made all kinds of great films. What's uh-huh. your favorite film that you've made? Mm. But Besides the newest one. Okay. Yeah, because it's about <laughs> depression. So, so that film is about uh, depression. Yeah. Uh, would you say that you've ever suffered from depression? Yourself? Oh yeah. Actually, Lars, so what do you do when you're depressed? Lars, What's your remedy? Lars, okay. yeah. Well, let me just. I have a. I, my headphones are broken, and yeah. I can barely hear you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so if you go a little louder. Yeah. So what is your? Fi- All right. So what's uh. What do you? What is you? What yeah. would, so you've struggled with depression. Oh yeah. So what's a remedy that you would recommend to I'm someone a- who's dealing with depression? Oh, make movies. <laughs> make make movies. <laughs> Buy a camera. Make yeah. a movie. Uh huh. 
Okay. okay. Now, no. Lars, whilst, while promoting the mm. film Melancholia, yeah. you came under fire for um, yeah. telling everyone that you're a Nazi. Yeah. So how do you... <laughs> well, stop talking. So... <laughs> So, uh, do you redact those statements now, or no? You don't. No. What? I meant what I said. I meant it. So. I make films in theaters now. No, that's not what I asked. My film is in theaters now. That's it. No, but when being interviewed a few years ago, yeah. you told everyone that you're a Nazi. Yeah. Do you regret saying that, or was no. that? Okay, so wh- why don't you regret it? I don't know. I, you know, I. <laughs> You're so good at this. I don't. Okay, okay, okay. Here's okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. The house that Jack built. Louder. The house that Jack built in theaters now. Okay, so you're not gonna answer. No. <laughs> Why? I'm, I'm embarrassed. Okay. Right. Where, can pe- where can people find you on social media? Find me, Lars Andre, on Twitter, and yep. Lars Andre on Instagram. Yep. Yep. What's your email? Email Lars Andre at Lars Andre. Okay. Cool. Great. Thank you. Next up is the wonderfully witchy Beyond, the only podcast we've ever produced that may have altered the fabric of space and time. In Beyond, self-proclaimed energy expert Mike Kelton seeks to solve his and his friends' real-life problems by supernatural means. Instead of going to a therapist, Mike goes to mediums, ghost hunters, cult leaders, healers, astrologers, and, in this clip, a witch. This is from the episode entitled Witchcraft, the Goathead, and it features Mike's friend Lisa P. from the Bronx consulting a witch about the dark energy surrounding her boyfriend's ex. So I go on the trip. I didn't say anything. Like, I don't know. I never cried. I didn't shed a tear. I was just like, okay, come back. And I'm like, what now? So I go back to her again. And, you know, she went through it again and said, she's not pregnant. She's not pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, what can I do to like make this stop? Like, she's like a menace. She, she, this woman is a menace. She's menacing my life. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't go on. Like, I can't do it. Mm -hmm. I'm going to break up with him. But Mm -hmm. then there's a competitive side of me that's also like down with this bitch. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So Rahina was like, oh, well, I said, well, can I light up like a candle in my apartment and, you know, do something or there's different remedies and different types of cleanses. And she was like, oh, no, no. Mm-mm. For this, you need to do something big. Well, it's a revocation. It's called a revocation. Yeah, like okay. in Spanish, it's a revocation. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a revocation. So I was like, whatever, I'm I'm down. I'm down. Like, let's, what's let's up? Revocate. She made me. I had to bring a photo mm-hmm. of this individual, and she said, "Okay, I have to work on it for seven days." Most things in this tradition are in the numbers of three seven or 21 Mm -hmm. so i think she had to work on it for seven days then i had to come pick up the finished product on a monday because this is the day of the like guardian of the cemetery give us what happens when you show up after the seven days on the monday what's what goes down she went into the kitchen, into the freezer, and pulled out a plastic bag that was, you know, the size of, like, a bread basket. Um, and 
she hands me like a frozen goat head. (laughs) (laughs) So in the goat head's mouth, in the goat's mouth. Hold on, hold on, hold on, Lisa P. (laughs) Hold on. She gives you the goat head. What is your first thought? Sometimes when you go into these types of places, there's just the way that I am. Even sometimes in certain churches, I I feel like currents. The, yes. the Spanish yes. is like corrientes, you know, uh-huh. like currents. It feels, it felt very um, ritualistic. It uh-huh. felt very spiritual. You were it like in flow with the goat head. I was like in flow. I love it. I wasn't like, what is this? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Ha- laughing. You were no, like, I'm this all is, in. I'm all in and this is part of it. That makes sense to me. Also, I'm like, all in. you have to be. If you're going to a person's kitchen in Washington Heights and getting a goat head, you got to be all in. (laughs) I was all in. It gets crazier. Okay. I mean, she didn't tell us what she did, but my friend who was with us, she, you know, again, is the person who introduced me to Rahina and she was like, oh, look, you know, there's coffee grounds in the mouth. The picture was rolled up and stuffed and... Uh, my friend told me, she's like, this is all to shut her up. This is to get her to shut up. And there were other things I'm sure that were done as well. So we had to take the goat head and bury it in a cemetery that night. It had <laughs> to be done on a Monday. This Monday. Uh-huh. Had to be done. And this was already like six o'clock. And this is December. So it's pitch. It's pitch dark. It's pitch dark. Okay, so the only cemeteries that are in northern Manhattan are completely gated off at this point and mm-hmm. locked and they have cameras on them and people get arrested for trying to go in there because more people do this than you think for example if you were to look up goat heads in Prospect Park you will find so many stories about what has been going on with goat heads in Prospect Park are you serious <laughs> yes <laughs> So, of course, we had to research this. And guess what, everyone? It absolutely checks out. There are so many articles about goat heads in Prospect Park and also many other parks in the tri-state area. And we will include those links in the description of this podcast for some light, fun reading after you finish the app. We've been huge fans of this next podcast for a long time, so we were very honored when they joined Forever Dog this year. It's Black Men Can't Jump in Hollywood, hosted by Gerard Milligan, James III, and Jonathan Braylock. One of the best movie review podcasts out there, Black Man Can't Jump was selected for best of 2018 lists from the AV Club, Vulture, and Relevant. And the following clip comes from their award-winning episode on the film Black Panther. If people are into Marvel, I don't know, but like, you know, when Infinity War comes, like, characters have to die and like, Usually they'll kill characters that are more secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I'm like, yo, if one of these people die, like, I'm oh, gonna be upset. Oh, yeah, like, gonna I'm be gonna be legitimately sad and upset because we really came to grow and love all of them. Quick too, man. So much so that I would say, like, my only gripe with this movie was I was so sad that Michael B. Jordan had to die, even though I know he did. I don't think he did, man. That's my that's my I, only gripe. That's with the my movie. only gripe with the movie because I was like, yo. This dude was amazing. And you set it up so that he didn't have to die. You set up the lo- mm-hmm. the internal logic in the film so that they could have saved him with the science and like I thought he was gonna be like yeah. um Loki. I thought you he was gonna be saying? The, I thought he was gonna be Loki. I'm very my but only the gripe way with that, that he died. Yes, yes, was the, lines, yo, the lines. The lines were, yo, how he it died was perfect. How it he was. died was so It really G. was. It and really it makes was. sense. It makes sense. It makes it, like, I like. I didn't want him sense. to die either. And then he said that line, and I was like, "This is perfect." Same here. And he just <laughs> and he just did it. Like, but also, uh, yo, this movie. This, so yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I think this is perfect. Let's we start. can talk about is like just to hit on Ryan Coogler real quick. Is oftentimes we 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 have this discussion on whether or not 
a white person can direct a movie about like the black experience, right? Right. And I know sometimes we're try- we're like we're really polite and we're really like you know maybe they can if they know, but I think the nuances that this brother created in this movie, for instance, that because he co-wrote it, so Ryan Coogler co-wrote it for people who don't know that line about uh no so what i can be locked up no just throw me in the ocean like my ancestors did when they were jumping off uh the boats because they knew it was better to die than be um in prison for the rest of your life right. or something like that it's like bruh like every first off everything that um freaking um 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 sterling k brown said at the top of the movie about why he wanted this movie right. isn't about like it's about like the world but it's really about like ideology like yo i've seen black people butchered I've seen how people yeah. view them, and we have a chance to make them strong and powerful, and we're not. That is literally what the conflict of this movie is. Do you help right. your brothers and sisters or not? What are you doing? Why are we saving our – are we just going to hoard and save our resources? For, it's so funny. Like As like somebody who's Christian, there, there was like a lot of spiritual oh, oh, references the whole time. Movie, the whole movie. I was just thinking about that so much. Like this idea of – like, you know, there's a that verse in the Bible, there's a song – like don't uh if you have a light don't hide it under a bushel like go let it shine on the top of a mountain right mm-hmm. like let my let your little light shine yeah. that's the song like let your little oh, yeah. light shine the idea is that if you have a light don't hide it and use it for yourself you should let it shine so others can see the mm-hmm. light and that's uh, w- exactly what wakanda is it's like mm-hmm. this bright shining city in the center in the heart of africa that is kept hidden and the main conflict and theme of this movie is like, are we going to keep this hidden for ourselves or do we have a responsibility to the rest of the world, especially the rest of people of color in these, in these nations, surrounding nations that are suffering and that we know we could help and we're not helping mm-hmm. to protect ourselves. You That's know? the crust of the movie. It's not some giant invader trying to take over the world. I mean, I guess it kind of is. I mean, not an invader, but it's like, Something that's so real to black people. Like, I'm on a thread right now with my boys from back home, and it's like 10 of us on this thread. And literally the whole discussion has been since Trump has been in office, especially this year in particular, um, of what can people of color do to help more? Like what, Basically, it's like, what should we be doing? Like, We know we got to do something. Like, Yeah, we can vote, and we have been voting, but it's more, right? And the whole movie, the idea behind the movie is like, what else? Like, What do we do? And I thought that was just a genius way to do it. It made it more grounded to me than most superhero movies are because it was something that was – uh, like something that people can relate to and also we still had a villain I feel like a lot of times when it's a black superhero he's fighting like the crime boss or the drug dealer on the block or something like that Right. whereas this he still had a true villain um, but he also had something that just meant something personal you know I, bruh and then Ryan Coogler again Ryan Coogler his three movies all have over 90% of Ryan Tomatoes and you know I hate quoting Ryan Tomatoes but the go from Fruitvale Station which was set in Oakland which he added this character back in Oakland, right. and I feel like he did that on purpose, but that's just me. Like he had that movie oh, to go from that, that to purpose. Creed. It's like this young black man, 31, 32? Yeah. Like young, young black man has now changed the way a lot of black people even view themselves. And I'm like, and he wasn't yeah. rich. Like this wasn't a rich black brother. Right. Like he is, he is from Oakland. Like he grew up with not that much. And mm-hmm. like my man has he shown went to USC. He like, that is the American dream. If you want to be real. Yeah. He inspired. He, yo, my man will not only inspire black people around this country, but he's gonna inspire like mad people. He's, of color inspiring, around the world, bro. he's also, he's just inspiring filmmakers. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, oh he's my just God. a great filmmaker. 
Just this past week, we sadly said goodbye to one of the original Forever Dog podcasts, one of our all-time faves, The Book of Yay, hosted by Rob Hayes and Chris Daniels. For the past two and a half years, Rob and Chris have been journeying through the Kanye West canon song by song while also trying to make sense of every twist and turn of Kanye's career. Even though the podcast is over, The Book of Yay leaves behind an incredible back catalog of episodes that are well worth revisiting, including so many great moments. In particular, Rob and Chris were really at their best when they were unpacking the controversial and problematic public lives of our most iconic pop stars, whether it be Kanye himself or in this clip from the episode Hell of a Life with guest Gordon Baker Bone, Lord. Don't pull a Lord. We're not talking about... (laughs) We're not talking about. We're not gonna talk about Whitney Houston. All right, like all right, all right, all right, cool. Get all your right. apology tweets ready. Dad. Yeah, I definitely. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, uh, Mr. J. <laughs> talking about he apologized to the Joker. Okay. She'll, <laughs> she'll never be a Roy. As far as I wrote. Uh, wait, why you don't like Roy? Lord? Because when she said uh, she posted a picture of a bathtub, that was an accident. And I will always love you. How's that an accident? What? That is not How an accident. How is that an accident? That is not an accident. Wait, How is that an accident? Bathtub? Come on, What's man. What's a bathtub in the bodyguard? Come on, man. <laughs> Ain't no bathtub in the bodyguard. That's, what does Lord got to pull that for? I, I don't yeah, know. That's a good Ask question. Lord. Bad coincidence. That's not bad. You know you what? Know, no. I'm on your side now, Rob. Yeah. yeah you can't Come disrespect. On, Come on, man. You can't disrespect nah. like that. Nah. You think she blatantly went out to disrespect? You know what? That's, she was the I only. I will always love all- you in a picture of a bathtub. That's I, a blatant I, I, shot. I, I. She we'll wanted to take you. a bath. <laughs> okay. Scrub-a-dub in the tub is a good catch. <laughs> no. no, it's not. Nobody, nobody sings that. Nobody's got rub-a-dub-dub plan. You claim, okay. You claim for the Lord now. There's a rub-a-dub-key How old is Lord? She old enough not to know to old do that shit. Old enough to have Wikipedia. <laughs> Come on, man. Old Who, enough to have Google. Why would she be on a laptop in the tub? She, I, I recommend it. <laughs> now I'm just playing. Now see, I'm now, playing. Now, look, now see what happens. Nah, nah Rob, Rob could be on a blueberry, on a blackberry, <laughs> in a tub. She could be on a laptop. She could have a laptop to the side. I don't understand. I don't understand why she did that. If it, how is that not an accident? I this said it was. Tub, I and said the tub's it, all the way full. You, you, no, you're saying it's not an accident. Yeah. So we're I, asking you, how, is how it did accident? she make an accident, accident with that? Come on, did you say the wrong line? She wrong, the girl want to take a bath. Like it makes you know why I say it's accident because it makes no sense for it not to be. What? How? That's what? a blatant uh, shot. How? That is- <laughs> you are, first of all, first of all, first of all, Lord is one of them dark people hair in front of the face. Yep, which is in a video. First of all, mm-hmm. so to make a joke or a reference to how somebody died doesn't seem off for her. Second of all, you just come saying on. that because she looks she like the girl I, who crawled out of the well. I, I I will always love you. Now, two eyes might have been Dolly Parton, but we all know only Whitney Houston can pu- pull off that third consecutive eye. You That's know very what I'm true. saying? Very true. That's Nork's song. What right is there. what is the song about? Hmm? What is the song about? Kevin Costner. Yeah, it's about her. What her? <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> the motherfucking song's about love. The okay. girl loves taking baths. No. Get the girl out of here. Taking baths. Get out of here. What, what, Are you really? serious? Really? What is going on why the does, internet? Why does, <laughs> what is wrong with you? First of all, I, 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 fucking hate, I hate y'all for making me have to like, defend Lord. I just, <laughs> Put was, this at the front of the podcast. <laughs> keep Sinalathan at the front of the podcast. <laughs> no. Scratch that. I hate that I'm going equally as hard for Sinalathan and Lord in yeah. the same 40 minutes. 
She just loves baths, and she was singing her. She was professing her love. I don't. But the only professing it. Come on, taking man. a picture you know of the tub. I only going as her because y'all going too hard unnecessarily. It makes <laughs> unnecessarily. no. It makes no it's sense. Whitney Houston. It makes no sense to be mad because you no. But you're this saying ain't pebbles. You're saying she that, got multiple hits. <laughs> you're saying it was bad intent behind it. Or funny intent. Yeah. It was probably she was trying to be funny. That's the worst joke ever. It is. That's why they had to get out. Yeah. Lord ain't got no Netflix special. Come on. You got to show me the precedent of Lord making jokes about dead people. That's what made this upsetting. Not surprising, but upsetting because yep. Lord was like somebody that we ain't never have a problem with. You know what I'm saying? Lord was the only white person this year nominated for best album, album of the year. And she didn't say nothing crazy. She ain't had no crazy captions. Like, we was cool with Lord. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you got a ledger fucking keeping up with Lord. What I'm saying nah, is, this bullshit, I'm I will. saying prior to this, we've board. never had an issue with Lord. But Check now off, I'm Lord. looking at Lord like, all right, now, Lord, you know, your name is Lord. It already makes me feel funny saying it. No, I got an E on it. It has an E on it, but when you say it, you can't you hear the yeah, E. Yeah, you don't have an E. Who's fault is that? Like, she should pronounce it Lordy. I'm just saying, oh, Lordy. Yeah. Lordy, y'all, Lordy? Tri- y'all trigger yeah. Now, Lordy can speak on <laughs> Whitney Houston, but not Lord. You think she got a career if her name is Lordy? Yeah. Lordy. Lordy is the one who's singing Rubber Dub Dub. <laughs> I definitely would never say her name if her name was Lordy. Y'all listen to that new Lordy? What I the would, fuck? Nah, I wouldn't mess with Lordy. <laughs> Lordy, cool. Lordy. Lordy. I call her Lordy. Lordy sound like a SoundCloud rapper. Fuck that. I don't know about canceled because they be like so and so is canceled. Then they just be selling all the records. So we ain't gonna cancel her, but we just gonna put it to the side. Y'all yeah. ain't stopping Lord from selling records. Okay, but I I'm not gonna listen no more. Especially after that. When it, when I didn't, know that, bad, I didn't gonna, know that bathtub thing, man. We gotta be secretive because you know Spotify don't like to count stuff when people organize too too loudly. <laughs> but next time some Lord come out, we all gonna scream. I think, I think that I y'all, dance y'all are somebody. a fringe group. I ain't even see that many people get upset about this. Okay. I saw it. Every the context that I was presented. Look at this mistake Lord made. Not y'all. You like y'all see what the fuck Lord did? Like see the kind of stuff. <laughs> that they that they got you saying because her name is Who Lord. The fuck is Look they? at the mistake that Lord made. It's the sentence you just said because her name is Lord. I'm gonna find out her real name and call her that. That's what I'm gonna do. What if it's Lord? Lord Day. I'm calling Lord, Lord Day. Day. She's Lord, Lord Day. Day. Look That's at the mistake Lord Day made. That's better than Lordy. What were you over in 2018? What were you sick of? What were you done with? That's the question that Derek Katz and Betsy Kenny put to their guests every week on Done. Named one of the best new podcasts of 2018 by Refinery29, Done features some truly cathartic moments like this one from the episode Natural Beauty Products, Marfa Texas, and Whimsy. Oh my God. So Dara and I just got back from a trip and I ripped one on the plane. <laughs> I'm so oh sorry. Oh, and this was not I like a Boeing. I say this because it was notable. This was like a Boeing 747. <laughs> this was like a tiny one. Like the pilot was right in front of me and like one family was flying it with us. And I was trying to cover your ass because the dad I knew was on to you. He knew you ripped one. I know! Wait, so I did it and it was truly so loud. It sounded like a whoopee cushion. I couldn't stop and laughing. And then I couldn't stop laughing that I had text Dara. It was right before we went I off. didn't hear it. It smelled like, it smelled like we all together fell into a drainage Death ditch. was coming for us. Yeah. Death was coming. Death had come and now we were rotting in it and there were worms. It was- it was the smell of death. Worms but I are thought coming it was the funniest out of everyone's thing. eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> 
we truly couldn't stop laughing. And right before that, we were taking so many pictures like on the tarmac because it was truly one of those planes. And the guy, this guy was so mad and he didn't know why. He goes, this isn't a place for fun. And then we were like, he got on the plane. I'm like shitting my pants, but it's just air. <laughs> I mean, this they, we're never allowed back. No, that dad, because that dad had two daughters sitting in front of him who yeah. you thought were cute. I thought were obnoxious. Yeah. And I was going to yell at their asses. But then you <laughs> you let that fart go. And I couldn't. You took away any leverage I had for the rest of the flight. And then we couldn't stop laughing about <laughs> fart. And it, it's truly gross. It's it's immature. Yeah, it's, it's immature. not funny. Okay, fine. Um, Fine. When this next podcast joined Forever Dog for season three of their absolutely iconic show, we could not have been more thrilled. It's Food for Thought, hosted by Dennis Norris II, Joseph Osmondson, Tommy Pico, and Fran Torado, a multiracial mix of queer writers who talk about sex, relationships, race, identity, what they like to read, and who they like to read. And after you listen to the following clip from their Season 3 premiere episode, She's Arrived, please make sure to go online to the iHeartRadio Podcast Awards site and vote for Food for Thought for Best LGBTQ Podcast. You guys ready? <laughs> Welcome to season three of Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest run a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, mm. culture, <laughs> what we like to read, and who we like to read. Fran just fell out of his I'm chair. Reco- still recovering from that bone chilling laugh. <laughs> like. Waking up the souls of thousands of thoughts of yesteryear. <laughs> Sex me so good I say blah, Summoning blah, them blah, like blah. it's some fucking... It's, it's like slutty Pandora's box. Just <laughs> unleashing all these slutty demons. Sluts coming back true. from the grave. Food for thought, where every day is cheat day. Yes. <laughs> I'm Tommy Teebs Pico. I'm an indigenous American poet, screenwriter, and my fourth book is coming out in fall 2019, proving Ooh. once and for all four books in four years, I am, in fact, that binge. Yes, yes you are. I'm Fran. I'm a writer, editor, and my drag queen name is Virginia Slim, but my drag king name is Girth Brooks. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my God. Oh. I believe oh, there's you're a- straight. Are you straight now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I- Jigs up. It's been three seasons. I've been straight the whole time. What if that was actually the rumor? Oh my god. She loves the twist. She lives for the drama, mama. <laughs> I have never seen you suck dick personally, so who knows? I know. I am Joseph Osmondson. Obviously, you did not get that sexy. Okay. <laughs> I mean, my publicists are doing a great job, is what you're telling me. A scientist nonfiction writer. Total top, as always, and the food for thought originator of sticking out your tongue in pictures. Oh my god, that's not true. That I is so it. true. I did it first. Find me the receipt. Slander. Slander. I will never Slander. forgive either of you for Slander. that. It is I invented so it. gross. Ned Slanders. Um, and hi guys, I'm back. Hey. I'm Dennis, <laughs> reader, writer, former figure skater, and. It is my life's work to work Michelle Kwan into every conversation. You're doing a great every job, day. sweetie. You're doing a great job, also, sweetie. Also, <laughs> dear reader, replay that at Dennis's intro with the context that we have deemed Dennis with the affect of a YouTuber, a white YouTuber, <laughs> a white like makeup tutorial YouTuber that's like, hey guys, Gucci, how's it going? This is my unboxing oh, yeah. video. I am. <laughs> 
so tired, you guys. Let's do this anyway. Listen, <laughs> you can you can take the Becky out of the valley, but you can't take the valley out of the Becky. That is an oh, uncanny God. valley. <laughs> Who wants to tell us what we got on the menu this I week? I got it, everybody. This week. All of us fuck Rihanna. We give good advice from at least one doctor. Mm. It's me. We conclusively decide that Mimi isn't a diva, not anymore. Fuck you, Fran. Oh my god. And we knock on the window pane of one of the greatest voices of all time. Take it away. I'm feeling a little peckish, God, so I let's start the top of this show the way any good top should, with the little tease, our uproarious <laughs> appetizer segment, Amuse Boosh. And to amuse our booshes today, <gasps> Fran got a little game for us. That's Ooh, right. So exactly. the theme of today's episode is divas. So it only makes sense to gamify the meat of this episode with a healthy <laughs> little helping of Bone Block Bench. I'm game. Uh, divas way. edition. It's Such gonna, good copy, Fran. I know, right? <laughs> divas edition. So if you're not familiar with our um, game, which we coined and created very originally, Bone Block Bench is pretty much the exact same thing as Mary Fuck Kill, um, but thoughtified. So mm. bone means you, like, you need them. You gotta have them. Like Even if it's just for one night, like you're just gonna fuck their brains out. Bench is like you want to like you you're gonna put them on the sidelines like maybe you want to play the long game with them like that doesn't mean like they're out of your life forever but like you want to put them on the bench Mm -hmm. and block is like what happens after all of joe's tinder matches go on one date with him Um, no that's report (laughs) (laughs) i'm bone 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 and they're block 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 (laughs) um and so another disclaimer here I will not be playing softball. There are no easy. There are no easy balls that I will be throwing <laughs> okay. at just, you today. I'm, okay, I'm out. I'm. See you guys later. I, there have been too many entendres. So. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dan Gill and Eric DeDorian have been through it all on their podcast, Groomzillas. They've planned their weddings, they've gotten married, they've watched the Dodgers lose two consecutive World Series, and they've talked to tons of amazing guests about love, marriage, and the whole damn thing. The following clip comes from Dan and Eric's live stream of one of 2018's most memorable events, the royal wedding of Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Recorded simultaneously in L.A. and Baltimore in the wee hours of the morning, here they are, the Groomzillas. And forsaking all others, be faithful to him as long as you both shall live. I will. Nailed it. And will you, the family... This is going faster than I thought it would. Harry and yeah, they want to get the show on the road. ...support and uphold them in their marriage now and <coughs> in the years to come. We will. As we I will. Stand, let us pray for Harry and Meghan. Um, I'm going to pray for Harry and Meghan with them. Are you praying? No, I don't believe in God. God, our Father. God, I don't our believe Father. in their God. From the God, beginning, that's for you sure. have blessed creation with abundant life. 
pour out your blessings upon Harry and Meghan. Is Charles on his phone again? Joined in mutual yeah. love and companionship. I'm telling you, he's on his gambling apps. And commitment to each other. No, he he's, got his, he's got his phone hidden we in his hymnal. this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. Whoa. One God, now and forever. Amen. That was a strong prayer. Judging from the way Harry's been acting, I think the edible hit about halfway down the aisle when he was walking with William. Okay. My and I think he's really starting to sway now. And says to me, What is going on? My love, look at that. Look at that train. Look at that veil. Come look, away. At that. look at British. Oh. For now who is this reading? Is past. Do we know who this the is? The rain is over and gone. <coughs> looks like, looks like Camilla's earth. mom. The time of singing has come. That's Camilla's mom? It looks like, doesn't it? They all look the same to me, honestly. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom. That's why it's such a big deal that Megan is in the royal family now. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Oh, no figs. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is strong as death. Flying Fashion right now, just totally. He gone. is so high. <laughs> the edible hit so hard. Many waters. Is he wearing the Nazi uniform underneath his uniform? If one offered, do you think he still has it? No, I don't think he does. Of one's house, but he did it at one point wear scorned. I like. The, I like sitting down. Who is this broad talking about floods and figs, man? This is bumming me out. Um, that was Harry's Harry, first. Harry uh, it was Harry's first girlfriend. <coughs> I hear whoever Harry, that whoever Harry, that was is terrified. Harry. Yeah. Is Seal gonna sing or what? Seal is gonna sing. Seal's doing two songs, I believe. He's only got one. Does this remind you of the wedding from Love Actually at all? This part kind of does, doesn't it? The choir? The yeah. Is there choirs in Love Actually? The boy choir. Yeah, in the in the in the in the first wedding. Oh, when they're singing "All You Need Is Love" with the trombones. Yeah. yeah. Oh come on. <laughs> I think Megan is just like. It's just, it's just so much, and it's like fun and everything, but it's, you know, I don't think this is them. I just, that's the feeling, overall feeling, I can't shake, but what? all this wedding as, you know. No, this is them. They like having George in the mall there. Well, yeah, but I mean, all the, I mean, I think they want to get rid of, they want to get, they, they want to get on with it. They want to just be married, I feel like. I bet to work. I bet George isn't even like focused on the wedding right now because he's probably crunching numbers for his Casamigos tequila. George Clooney, yeah. seeing seeing yeah. what what the quarter's shaping up to be for his Casamigos tequila. Well, he's got one. He's always got one. Part of his mind is always back at uh, his lair in what Lake Cuomo. Part of him is always in Lake Cuomo. He's not fully anywhere. You can tell in his acting. Wow. Shots fired. 
He's always back at his half, half part of him is always back at Lake Como, where him and his colleagues are working on tequila that is creatively <laughs> and professionally greater than any tequila. Look at these idiots. Look at Casamigos. In a crowded landscape of character-based improv podcasts, Hampton High has quickly become a world unto itself. That's what the AV Club had to say about this next podcast, and we could not agree more. Hampton High is created by and stars Tim Platt as high school junior Hampton McElvey, whose quest to become the Mark Marin of Rocksville Prep by interviewing students and faculty of interest leads him down some very strange paths. The following clip is from Hampton's interview with theater kid Mitra, played by guest Mitra Juhari. <laughs> This is interesting. We have more in common than people would have thought who are looking at our different social circles. And that's why I like this podcast. That, and I think that's kind of the amazing thing about our school mm-hmm. is people are pretty open-minded to connecting with people from other social groups. It's definitely true. Go Skugs, truly. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you, uh, so you do these roles, you do these behind-the-scenes stuff, but like where – I mean let's be brass tacks here. Like where is this going to go? Is this your career? I mean, you know – I. Now that I'm 17, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that there are people who are made for this stuff and there are people who just love it and aren't necessarily going to get paid to do it. And I think I'm the latter rather than the former. Uh, So one thing I realized about myself recently is that I'm actually really amazing at math. Um, I've known that for a long time, but I haven't really thrown myself into it. But I've been spending more and more time thinking about it, and I think I'm going to go to school for accounting. I just have to be realistic with myself. I'm great at math. I love the idea of helping people shape their, you know, take care of their lives in a way that is responsible and pragmatic. So I'm going to study accounting and just sort of see where that takes me. And maybe I can marry the two at some point, but mostly I just want to get into the numbers and see what happens. Okay, that was the sound of a pin dropping. Um <laughs> Okay, but like, if you get a big role next year in the play, then like maybe that would be your. Cr- you know what I mean? Like, are you only saying that because you haven't had a huge role yet? You know? Well, I mean, it, of course, it would be an honor, and I would take it incredibly seriously if I were to receive a huge role. But right. when you think about like the Graces or you know the like Evan Harper's of the show, I mean of the school, um, I'm not one of those people. Those people just radiate a magnetic energy that makes you want to watch everything they do and. <laughs> I just don't think I'm that. And I'm okay with that. Um, okay. Is this like one of those chick things where you're like saying like you're insulting yourself so other people will be like, oh, no, you're actually, actually great. You know what I mean? Like, are you saying, oh, I just want to be accountant. So like, I'll be like, oh, no, you should actually do theater. Do you know what I mean? A chick thing? Yeah. Like, you know how like some, you know how some chicks are like, oh, I look so ugly. And I'm like, no, you don't. You actually look really hot right now. Um, I'm like, oh, thank you. That's what I wanted you to say. You I know? mean, I know what you mean by a chick thing, but. It actually hurts my feelings when you say that. Does it call it a chick thing? But I to lie? You've never told a lie? No, I've obviously told a lie, but like what I'm saying So you're saying a lie, a chick thing is to lie. No, I'm just no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's like you saying, Oh, I love the theater, but I want to do something else because I'm not that good at is sort of like when a lot of chicks, and this is true, do say like I don't look good right now because they want the guys so that they look good. Like, don't you think that diminishes my goals by saying that I'm lying? I'm actually really good at math. I'm great at math. I've always gotten A pluses in math. It comes really naturally. 
I, I'm I'm sure you are, but I'm this that's not I'm not I'm not saying you're not good at math. I'm saying that like I'm not mad at you. I want you to know that I'm not mad at you, but I just want you to know that it's actually pretty destructive of you to refer to me saying that I want to pursue accounting as a chick thing. When I state my goals, I mean them. I'm an intelligent person. I I know I yeah no I I'm <laughs> I know that I'm not saying you're not intelligent. I would just like if like a theater role came around the corner that changed your life. I'm just saying that you would probably take that. So right? I mean so yeah. But I'm saying that I don't think that's going to happen, and that I've accepted and embraced, and I'm really excited about pursuing accounting. I'm not mad at you. I'm just saying phrases like "chick thing" are problematic, and I want you to think about the reasons why. Because I respect you, and I think you're capable of better, Hampton. Uh, okay. I really like you. I mean it. Okay, I like you too. I feel like I'm walking on a minefield right now. <laughs> to be perfectly frank, like I, uh, I, I, all I okay. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not to dig this hole, but like all I'm saying is that like people some. I mean, all I'm saying is that like people sometimes say. You're okay. You are saying what you mean. I see. I see, you are saying what you mean. People, and a lot of people say things that they don't mean, and I don't think it's tied to their gender. Okay, uh, that is the sound of a mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> a true comedy legend, Kevin McDonald of the Kids in the Hall, brought his traveling variety show podcast, Kevin McDonald's Kevin McDonald Show, to Los Angeles, New York, and Atlanta this year. Featuring incredible guests like Todd Barry, Paul F. Tompkins, Darcy Carden, Tim Heidecker, Judah Friedlander, and Weird Al Yankovic. And the list doesn't stop there. Check out Kevin's back catalog for sketches, live music, and unforgettable appearances by Mike Myers, Amy Mann, Andy Richter, Ben Gibbard, Rob Corddry, Rachel Dratch, Bob Saget, and fellow kids in the hall Scott Thompson, Dave Foley, and Mark McKinney. Now, please enjoy this clip from Kevin's interview with Weird Al. I also, oh yeah, this, I remember... Uh... <laughs> In Canada, Another One Loves the Bus was like a super, super hit. Um, uh, was it? Yeah, was it, wasn't it in the States? Kind of. It just barely got released. Like the record label went, really? Well, the record label went bankrupt uh, two weeks after it came out. <laughs> but it got out there, I guess. Yeah. How did you get your first record deal? Like, was it because of uh, My Bologna? Or, um... Yeah, well, that, was the first, that came out on Capitol Records, like the original bathroom recording. Literally recorded in a bathroom in my college, and Capitol Records put it out. Uh, and it sold, you know, a couple dozen copies. I don't know. If you can find a copy today, though, it's worth like 35, 40 cents. So, oh, good. That's, I think if I it's autographed, it. I might have. I might have it in the basement. Of my when I moved from uh, uh, Toronto, uh, my sister took all my stuff and put it in her basement. And then she had a flood and ruined everything. Oh no! Yeah. That's very that sad, sad story. story. Very <laughs> sad. sad story. Why would you bring the room down like that? Uh, because I want to get out to oh, go to my airport. <laughs> I see. Um, um, uh, oh yeah, here's. Uh, he was going to come tonight. He's not here. Dave Foley, one of the kids in the hall. He was going to come him? here? He was going to come Until here. Until he found out I was showing up? No, no, it's the opposite. Oh. He found out I was showing up. <laughs> he, he got a headache. He had a... Should I say this? I can't even pronounce it. Yesterday he had a... Uh, help me. Colonoscopy? Colonoscopy. Yeah, yeah. And he's uh, feeling badly from it. Oh. He should have just gotten a semi-colonoscopy. Yes. <laughs> Oh, once uh, the kids in the hall a few years ago, we were on a Canadian TV show, and Scott had a colonoscopy uh-huh. uh, that morning, and um, uh, we were reading the script, and they were asking us their notes because they were pretending to care about it. It was the kids in the hall, and um, and Scott whispered to me, um, 
because of uh, the pr- procedure I just had, I'm pulling my pants. And then the, um, and then, uh, the writer said, uh, uh, Scott, do you have any notes? And then uh, I said, because I want to get him out there. No, 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 he's okay. No, Kevin, I have notes. <laughs> and pulling his pants, he gave a half hour of notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I have had the procedure a couple times because I'm an old guy. And uh, they give you pictures. They give you pictures oh afterwards. My oh, my God. And more than once I've asked my wife, should I Instagram this? No! No, do not do that. It'd be so popular. <laughs> It'd be so... Uh, not as popular as Another One Loves on the bu- uh, Bus. On the, um, what do you keep calling it? Another One, another loves, one loves on the Bus. Another One Loves I'm on the Bus. A, I'm adding a word. <laughs> and changing a few, but they, it's all right. I mean, we words. get the gist. They had different we words get the general feel. Yeah. Dave Foley and I, yes. we always talked about ad nauseum. The people would tell us to shut up in the 80s and 90s how funny your videos were. Because we're like... Uh, we're big fans of Buster Keaton, and the sight gags were amazing. Who thought it? Did you think of the sight gags? Uh, well, most of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, so you're a comedian. More well, than <laughs> I like the comedy. You like the comedy. That's my point. That, like that, uh, how did you get that talent and music? Like, the, like you thought of really great, like video after video after video had amazing sight gags. Well, thanks. I don't know. I just I is listen, that a question? I listen to that. That's a good. That's a question. I I, I don't know the answer there. Where Where do your ideas come from? I, I just listen to the. Yeah, but I'm a comedian. I mean, well, you're a comedian. Yeah. But you're two things. <laughs> <laughs> my brain is split. Yeah, you're. Uh, I just listen to the voices in my head. You know. I understand. Are you a Buster Keaton fan? Absolutely. Well, the um, I mean, in Amish Paradise, when the uh, when the 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 barn falls down, right. that's a total right. that's a total Buster Keaton. Right. Steal. Right. Yeah, I'm showing that where I live in Winnipeg for some reason. Next, uh, I, I show a funny movie every month, and I'm showing that one. And um, uh, you know, Steamboat Bill Jr., where the wall falls on Buster Keaton, and everyone knows it was a real wall, right? And would have killed him. But he got like the best mathematicians in America to like yeah. to measure. It I out. didn't have the best mathematicians. I had some guy with green hair and a nose ring going, <laughs> "Yeah, you'll be fine." Was no, no, real... literally. I mean, this was not—it was not CGI. It was a real, literal, like barn wall that fell on me, barely missing my head. And it wasn't even just wood; they had to reinforce it with steel, so it wouldn't like torque and like miss the mark. So it was this like really, really, really would have killed me dead if I had like moved a few inches either way. <laughs> and I was like, "We're doing one take, and I'll try really hard not to act like I'm so scared right now." <laughs> And they can't practice it with the dummies your height because no. uh, because that would ruin the wall. Right, right. Wow, it's a one take thing. But you're kidding. Please tell me you really had mathematicians. Well, I think he did some math, but. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! How many accolades and catchphrases can one podcast have? Las Culturistas, hosted by Matt Rogers and Bowen Yang, has been named to best of lists in Time, Esquire, Vulture, Time Out New York, and many more publications. And they are about to embark on a national tour early next year. Las Culturistas remains an absolute must-listen week after week. And if you need proof, just check out this clip from their episode, Piss Sussy, Sis Pussy, with a woman smiles, Patty Harrison. And after you listen, follow at Las Culturistas on Twitter to see if Matt and Bowen are coming to your hometown in 2019. Roll that clip. If you had all the money in the world as the pop star that is Patty, what does your concert look like? How does it start? Like, who comes out? Like, what's is there a story? Like, what kind of fantastical aesthetic elements are we happening? Like, if you could do a world tour, like the 1989 tour or like Beyonce formation, like, Mm -hmm. what is the Patty tour? So, my tour (laughs) would um, be called. Well, let's not start there. Okay, let's not. Let's start actually there. say that 
uh, it would be an audiovisual experience. Yes. There would be, you know, there would be pre-filmed things yes. that, and there would be huge screens. Oh wow! And this there would be different. lights, mm-hmm. lights that would come up. So the so the concert's about to start. Imagine okay. concert's about to start. I can see it. Everyone, there's like, there's what a stadium is like fifty thousand people. Yeah. And then wow. and then the lights go out, and everyone's like, oh, yeah. and then yeah, and then some lights come on, and then the screen comes on too. And then I come out, and then music is playing. Oh my god! There's so much music playing. Everyone's dancing and screaming. I come out. Dancers come out. They're dancing too. Yeah. They're like they're all they're doing the routine. We we painstakingly, painstakingly practice. I come out. I start singing a medley of my original my hits from my first album. Yes. And it's like a medley. Yes. 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 That, but it's like in the key of another one of my hits and they're all in the same key because it sets you up for the next song that you're going into in the medley. Yeah. yeah. It, it's and this is like an amazing medley. Then mm-hmm. my outfit also by the way looks beautiful. Oh my god. To describe it, everyone oh. is like um, and people are taking pictures of it. Oh my god! People are taking people. Thousands of people have their phones. The out. Wait, are people describing your outfit as like yes, a gag slay? They say a gag. People are saying gag. Are they screaming? Well, one person actually is screaming a slur. <laughs> There's like one person out there over all the screams of adoration. I can kind of hear one slur. And I'm like, I think I know what they're saying. I yeah. think it's a slur. Yeah. And um, but I'm like, I'm not trying to focus too much on it. So I'm like, I'm like focusing. On, and again, my choreography is slightly less intense than the dancers. Right. I can right, fully right. focus on dancing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I need time to kind of vamp and you like can walk stop around and like, like points here and there and be like, yeah. And then I, I point and I'm like, are you? And I stop. And there, there's also, I'm not lip syncing, but there is a vocal track, track in the background. It has a chorus on it right, and the, right. the lead. Yeah. And people are like. And then I hear, I hear like in the distance, I hear like, I hear like, and I'm like, wait, not only did I hear a slur, uh, but I think I recognize the voice of the, and I'm so I'm like, we're going into my first, my first song is actually one off the new album. Oh my God. Great. And it's like, it's, it's a song that's like fast. Yeah. And then, so it's like, yeah. And then it's like images. There's images that correspond with the song. So the song is actually about moving on. And then, so that's going on. And then a spotlight, not planned, a spotlight. I'm like, what is going on? A spotlight goes to a crowd. Guess who is in the crowd? Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen DeGeneres. That was it. That really was and it. Because, Hold because on. We, we talked about her last time. Yeah. And she's erect. <laughs> she's, How big is her dick? It's 17 inches this time. <laughs> this time it's 17 inches. It got bigger from inches. last time? Yeah. She did something. She got like an... She, she got, got a, a penile implant? She yes. Got a oh, no, no, no. Penectomy is when they... No, penectomy was when they removed the penis. But she got a penile implant. She got a penectomy and then... And got, her, got, got, got her penis removed and then got... A, a, a penoplasty. An... It, a, uh, a African rhino <laughs> horn in the place. So actually, when I said it was 17 inches, it's actually closer to four and a half feet long. <laughs> and she's lancing my fans, just like <laughs> lancing my fans in the crowd. Like, oh, there's like a stack of my fans. Are on you sad as horn. you see this happening? I'm so sad. Yeah. I'm crying on stage. I'm like, yeah. stop 
the music, but they turned my mic off because she. No, so she so she talked to the tech people. She talked to the tech people. She's very powerful. She's very powerful. That's when I realized that she talked to the tech people ahead of time. And that is not a, that was like oh my god and still the music this is bigger than <laughs> and then there's a part in the music where all the percussion drops and it's just like it's like it's like this arpeggio of like harp it's a beautiful part of the song and I'm like Ellen get out of here and she comes up on stage oh does god. a flip with still about six of my fans stacked on her horn does a flip the centrifugal force of the flip flings the fans at me off of her. like and she's about she's flipping probably like 20 feet up in the air so it's that's like that's insane she can get that high yeah oh yeah i know it's like a full and it's like re- it's a really fast rotation we don't it's know like how powerful right, right, right. wow but but all the fans but the fans up, have come towards you but the, the fans air. they smack into me knock me down oh my god my <laughs> And my big platform shoes break. No. Oh, embarrassing. No. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. So embarrassing. What an yeah. epic concert fail. Yeah, Jennifer Bowman, who's our costumer, <laughs> she's like made those shoes herself, like oh special. Oh my God. And so Is it's she like, okay? Does she oh. get out of the arena? Huh? Does she get out of the arena? Oh, Jennifer Bowman doesn't come to my shows because we have a bad relationship. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, so then, uh, so that's the whole thing. And then, um, so then by that time you're knocked out and the fans, I guess are long dead by now. Yeah. Or but, at least several well, of them. Like six and maybe some that got injured in, in yeah. but during and, the fray. And they're like, they're all mad. They're like, this yeah. is not what we came here to see. So no. now we're here to see the Patty. music. We're yeah, here to see yeah. Patty, man. Yeah. But the, at this point they've all turned cause they're mad and they're oh. all saying tranny. They're all going, tranny, you tranny. And I said, stop it, stop it. And then that's when Ellen turns to me. No. And guess what she fucking says? No, No, what? Guess what she says? What was it she said? She says, you are a bitch. (laughs) And my heart breaks. Oh, my God. Because I believe it. And it, it's Ellen. It's Ellen. She and at is this point, a hero. She's obviously, a hero of mine. In that moment, like she's gotten everyone to turn on you. They obviously have taken sides with her, even though they've killed probably some, some of the people that they know. Yeah. yeah, they start killing. I mean, the fans are so mad, screaming tranny. They start killing each other. <laughs> killing each other. This is so serious. Oh, but, oh, just so you know, just so you know, at the at my tours, all my fans are cis because I won't let trans people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I don't like trans people. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. a turf. I'm a turf. You're a turf. And it's a tr- it's turfs only. Yeah, turfs only. Yeah, turfs only. Trans exclusionary radical feminists for those yes. of you who don't uh, who aren't with it. And they're all. And they're all straight. Beautiful, too. <laughs> straight, beautiful, beautiful cis, turfs. Yeah. Turf. Straight, cishet, beautiful, and gorgeous turf. They're saying tranny, but also, Ellen, I remember, originated the pronunciation trani. Trani, yes, with, <laughs> with an H and two N's. T-R-O-N-N-E-I-G-H. Oh, with the O. With yeah. the H. Oh, and the Tron- H. Yeah. Trani. G-H. But so they're screaming tranny, trani. And she's like, hey, you know why I say it that way? And I was like, oh, why, Ellen? This night couldn't get any worse. And she's like, because it's a play on pronunciation of the Vietnamese language, because I know you're Vietnamese, oh, too, you no. trani. Oh, just, just cuts deeper, twists the knife. She fucking, she fucking puts that knife oh, on she, a screwdriver. Let me tell you something about her. electric screwdriver. Ellen, yeah, this knife, it's she... more than just twisting the knife. Yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. She really went there. <laughs> 
that's she a go- really went there. And that's a gorgeous tour. And that is literally just Stockholm where the tour starts. <laughs> that's literally nice. just the first leg of the tour. And, and talk Sweden. about why Stockholm. Like, what does Sweden yeah, mean was, to you? What what is, why is that meaningful? Uh, rich culture, a lot of amazing art. Their government, like uh, the government in Sweden, is just like really progressive socially. You know, the access to healthcare, the way people like treat each other, even. Yeah. Um, predominantly white blonde yes yes it's it's sort of easier when that you matters have... it matters and a lot of amazing pop comes out of scandinavia and that was of course. amazing pop but see the thing about sweden and the thing that it's it just it's a great case study in um homogenizing a people to more easily govern and more easily socialize and provide access if, if the people look the same it's easier mm-hmm. you know yeah absolutely yeah. once you all look the same yeah then you all act the same. Yes. Then you all buy tickets to the same concert. Oh That's God. beautiful. That's a really good economy uh, model. I disagree. Okay, but you're you're still like uh, everything I said up until this point would. I was setting up that oh. you would say that, so I would agree, and then I changed my mind in real time. Wow. Oh, okay, cool. okay, all right. Um, and that's what people come to expect from my shows. Yeah, yeah. that they're going to expect to like, except for example, get through it and live. Yeah, yeah, yes. that might not be the case. Well, that's why they turned on each other. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, and the tour is called Cis Hats Only. It's radical uh, turf. Well, Cis Hat Turf. Turf. Only. Beautiful turf. Yeah, it's called Beautiful Turf. <laughs> colon Cis Hats Only. Uh, uh, colon. Uh, uh, Dharma and Greg live for one night only, and they're there. They're the actors who play Dharma and Greg are there. Oh my god! And they, what? Jenna Elfman? Jenna yeah, Elfman. Jenna famous Elfman. Scientologist. Famous Scientologist. And I'm and I'm giving. I give her like a 20 minute platform in the middle of the show just to talk about Scientology. And she's like really charismatic about it because she's like, I know it's, it's so crazy. You guys probably think I'm crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. A lot of it's so stupid, right? Like really learning people in with that. Disarming, like, disarming, disarming. Yeah, she's yeah. like, you know what one might be fun? What if you just like took some friends and you went to like the Church of Scientology as a joke? Because the doors are always open. You should see how like crazy stupid some of the decoration is. It's so gaudy. And everyone's like, haha, that's so funny. And But it's like under the guise of like, Oh yeah, come see how stupid this thing is, and then. But it's fifty thousand people, and like they're gonna go, and they all go. <laughs> and how many of them uh, fall for it? Hmm. How many, many of them, them fall did you, for it? Did you not hear me? Wait, are you? I said they all, all of them. But I know all of them go. But how many <clears throat> stay? How many <throat> sign on the dotted line when well, it comes to push comes to shove? Well, when push comes to shove, jokes on you, bitch. They were all already Scientologists because it's also all Scientologists only. Yeah, <laughs> only Dharma beautiful turfs. Scientologists who are also turfs. Cishet. It's called beautiful turfs colon. Um, oh, so Cishet only. Cishet only colon Dharma and Greg live when I only colon Scientologists, Scientologists only. only. Yes. The newest addition to Forever Dog is this next podcast, The Very Funny Mall Talk, hosted by comedians and L.A. mall aficionados Emily Fay and Paige Weldon, who do not think that hanging out at the mall should stop in adulthood. Each episode, a guest joins them to discuss classic stores, mall memories, and recent mall-going adventures. In the following clip, Emily and Paige talk to comedian Solomon Giorgio about Cinnabon, JCPenney, and so much more. So then you never went back to Macy's? No. But I did eat at Cinnabon every day. <laughs> okay. I, I used to do the worst thing ever because Cinnabon had um they had those they had the particular ones uh which was like the pecan one mm-hmm. and also I don't think they have any more. They actually had a root beer milkshake. Oh, oh, that sounds good. Oh yeah, so I'd have a, we had the same exact reaction to that. Oh, 
<laughs> so what I would do is order both of those things at the same time. Every day? Oh, yeah, every day. Well, it was th- within those three days that I was oh, working sure. there. And uh, many times before <laughs> and after. Uh, until they no longer serve the root beer. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say until they would no longer serve you. They were like, excuse me, sir. sir um, <laughs> you are cut off. <laughs> we can see how soft your teeth are now. <laughs> you have to stop. We have, a, we have a moral responsibility. You've been vibrating for the last 30 minutes and I need you to stop. Oh my, wait, so where else did you work? Um, I'm trying to remember all the places that I worked because I had a lot of jobs at the time and I, that I would quit, uh, in dramatic ways. <laughs> um, because I did work at a JC Penney, but it wasn't at that mall. It was okay. at, um, Oh my God, it was Alderwood mall. I think it was what it called. Oh, I can't remember. It's, it's in Linwood, Washington, which is in North, uh, Seattle. Um, and I worked at the JC Penney's there. There was a JC Penney's at Northgate, which I went to many times. Did you uh, used to shop at JC Penney? Oh, so many times. It's my mom's favorite place to buy her kids' presents till this very day. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's currently in that JC Penney trying to see if I want an oversized <laughs> Tweety Bird shirt or and you do or just in a case small pair of boxers. <laughs> no, she buys me briefs. That's tidy whities She never knows my size. It's always a double XL or the smallest. And you're like, who, who, who do you have you met me before? I do feel like JCPenney is also like, in my mind, such my mom's like mm-hmm. department store it where is. it's like, I feel like it's like Macy's is a little more like elevate. It's like a little fancier. JCPenney, it's like mom's like, I'm going to Penny's. I'm getting a deal in my mind. Oh, yeah. That's... Is that where all like your school clothes and stuff came from? Was um, like, no, uh, no, I wish, uh, <laughs> it was mostly Ross and Marshall's mm. also at the mall. I mean, we love, we love Marshall's. I, Marshall's is definitely a, a clean, a cleaner Ross, but that's really, again, not a, <laughs> I mean, Ross, I will Ross enter is... if there's an emergency of some yeah. kind where I simply can't get to a Marshall's, but it's a war zone. It's, uh, it's crazy zone, in there. But I'll tell you this right now, uh, when it comes to home goods, Oh, yeah. Ross is crushing the game. I recently bought a teapot mm. there. Yeah. Ross yeah. is where the great deals are in home goods. Sure. No one goes and that's part of the Ross. Yeah. Totally. So it's not decimated. I feel like yet. that, that is the one part of Ross. Whereas Marshall's overall, I'm like, great. Everything's great. Well, everything's great. great but Marshall's doesn't have good deals on home goods. They, which is, I was in Marshall's recently looking for a teapot and mm-hmm. I was like, most of these teapots are like $25. Disrespectful to the game. Yeah. Why am I even here? Yeah. yeah like might I, as well, might as well go to William Sonoma <laughs> spend big bucks on a teapot. Look, yeah. I'm just saying if you have a store, I can't, I shouldn't be able to buy three shirts for the same price yeah, as a yeah, teapot. It's <laughs> weird. I don't understand why that's going on, but I did then immediately go into Ross and get Which one for you found, like three ninety nine or two. Oh, you could, I, Which I is got like, one. I got a beautiful red one for four ninety nine. So. That's amazing. <laughs> I actually also need a tea kettle. Yeah. We'll report back. <laughs> yeah. Look into the Ross. See what you find. Um, the one in Pasadena is very good. That's the best one. All right. Also the cleanest oh, one. I haven't been in. Most of the, most of the clothes in that one are on the rack. Oh, wow. Oh, I suppose that is to, something to be said. <laughs> trampled on the floor. I mean, yeah, yeah oh, that's yeah. crazy. But I've only been there when it first opened at 10 a.m. So ah, sure. I can't speak for an afternoon. <laughs> for an afternoon. Ross. I can't imagine. Um, but actually, even oh, man, I remember one time, because we went to Ross so many times, that I pooped my pants at Ross. And everyone was like, correct. It seems right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And my mother refused to buy me new pants. Oh, no. <laughs> Why? The only the only time that I anyone's ever been like, I need to buy pants at Ross. <laughs> 
I need to. Was it like, I don't want to buy pants right now? Or was it like, sit in your mistake? It was. I really, so it won't happen again. I truly wish my mother had that decency in her, uh, where she was like, I can't afford this. We can't. No, no, no. It was more like, mm, no. Oh, you do this on purpose, which is like, who shits their pants on purpose? No, there's no winning part of that. No, it was yeah. You're not getting anything out of it. Believe it or not. Oh and it's like, and it's like, you're gonna have to be in the car with me on the ride back home. Yeah, that's so not good. Here we are. This hurts all of us. That's sad <laughs> for everybody. Listening to Mary Houlihan's little podcast is like being stuck in a blender of early '90s FM radio. That sounds like a quote, but I just came up with it. Every time you listen to Mary Houlihan's little podcast, it's something different. A morning talk show, an advice show, a game show, a makeover show, a call-in show, a call-out show. All from the mind of Mary Houlihan. Plus commercials like this one. Hey, the big concert's on the beach. Let's go. But wait, I have to eat all these tacos. Just put them in your pants. You ever go on a run and reach into your pocket for a taco, but it's all cold? No way! Taco pants are special pants with foil-insulated pockets that keep your tacos warm all day. I'm in love with the taco pants. Taco pants. Now available with sour cream. This next podcast was named 2018's Best Podcast for Aspiring Comedians by Vulture. Not because it talks about how to succeed, but about how to fail. The Need to Fail with Don Finelli features comedians and entertainers at the top of their game talking about all the roles they didn't get, all the shows they bombed, all the times they ate shit and their dreams felt more elusive than ever, and how they persevered through those times. In the following clip, Don talks with comedian, writer, and improviser Neil Casey. So you kept your car? You have your car in New York? Still have my car in New York, and then I have 30 days to figure out like where I'm going to live and what's going on. And the answer was ended up being that um, I lived... Nowhere for five months. Wow. Um, and, uh, uh, I packed, I threw away a ton more shit. I got a storage unit over on the West Side Highway for the stuff I kept that wasn't in my car. Wow. And, uh, and then I was homeless for, from April of 2012 until September of 2012 or, or mid August of 2012 Jeez. when I moved into Nick Coacher's room. That I rented with like Grant O'Brien yeah. and Mary and, and Lennon and some and good people there. Right. And part of it was like, I called it a, um, what was that? It was like, it's a, um, it's like a controlled homelessness because my thinking was if I, if I can just, there's some places I needed to be, mm-hmm. including, um, uh, the, the, the Torco trip to South Carolina. Mm hmm. Williamstown Theater Festival, where I teach improv classes in the summertime. Mm-hmm. My family rents a beach house mm-hmm. in June. So there was like, if I could just cover these weeks, <laughs> right. then I basically wouldn't need to pay rent for like, I thought like three months. It right. ended up being like a little over four. What did you do? <laughs> How did you do this? I um, Where did you stay? I stayed at my brother's a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, a couple nights, but he he just had a bedroom. Did people know? Did you tell anybody about this? the people I asked to stay with? I did. Yeah, yeah. but nobody else knew. Nobody else knew because Heinz and I were doing our show then too. So anytime Heinz and I would do small men, I would stay at his house the night before, right? And I'd sleep there, and then we would. Um, but did you tell him? I don't have a he place. Knew. To, okay, he yeah, knew. he yeah, knew. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. my 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 closest friends knew, right? Um, 
And uh, I, t- I would stay at Heinz, stay at my brother's. I stayed at Dan Black's one time. Mm-hmm. I stayed at Blove Band's right. one time. Right. These are all people um, right in Manhattan, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of kind of, kind of keeping it honest that way. I, I lived at the Greenpoint YMCA mm-hmm. for a little while uh-huh. uh, with, a lot of old, with a lot of old guys. <laughs> um, Where are you mentally during this? How, are, you, are you determined or are you, like, fucking low? Well, I was throwing. I, I in in retrospect, I believe that what I was doing was I was eliminating absolutely everything that I had going on in my life, so that I could like reboot the few things that I think would actually work. Another very exciting addition to Forever Dog this year was the beloved cult sensation podcast, The Ride, a show about theme parks hosted by three childless men in their thirties: Mike Carlson, Jason Sheridan, and Scott Gardner. This year, Podcast The Ride accomplished perhaps the most impressive feat in all of comedy podcasting, releasing an 18 episodes in 18 days series about Hollywood's Universal City Walk that was rightly named Best Miniseries of 2018 by Vulture. And here is a clip from that very series, The City Walk Saga. And let's clarify, this series is about City Walk at Universal Hollywood, oh. not CityWalk at Universal Orlando. Right? That is an entirely different entity. We will not speak about that at all. At all. This is only for Hollywood, and yes, now... That is also lovely. It's a lovely place. Yeah, well, in an endeavor like this requires rules and uh, parameters, yes. right? And which is why, you know, we've carefully caged ourselves in with the 19-part System. Yes. Now, where did ni- where did nineteen uh, come from? I feel like because they aren't necessarily all uh, even in the amounts of stores and restaurants. But there's, I think, nineteen is a is a perfect number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to question perfection, but but if we had to analyze, what is it about nineteen? Why is that the perfect amount? You know, the, one of the impetuses for for doing this is that like we, we met a care a guy i think a guy almost undervalues I, what he is a mentor figure maybe or a, a voice of authority boys oh he yeah he's here a sector keeper he you could know who could have said it better yeah, themselves so, than um, the man himself the being himself um so yeah joining us today on the podcast is uh we call him the sector keeper. He keeps the different sectors of City Walk. Universal and City Walk sector keeper, please. Of course, uh, Universal City Walk Hollywood sector keeper. Actually, if I may correct you, I'm yes, so sorry. Yes, my spirit can't cross the right, cro- across country. the country. Yeah, you yeah. Start to dissipate when you hit the Mississippi. I lose correct? strength. Yes. Yeah. So when we talk about 19 sectors, um, this is sort of uh, a number that's been around for as long as time. Like mm-hmm. the number twenty-three, the the significant number of the Jim Carrey film nineteen is a it's it, it exists in many different uh, codes and it's embedded secretly all over the City Walk mm-hmm. property. That's fair to say, correct? Yes, yes. As uh, another world league uh, meaning, City Walk is a powerful place, a magical place, right. and so you must divide it into sectors. To experience more than a sector provides would be dangerous. Yes, if we have too much fun and too much discussion about, of like, maybe, say, two sectors at once, it would be too much for sort of a normal mortal man or a woman to handle. Mm-hmm. So that's why we've divided it up into different sectors. Because if we were to talk about all of CityWalk at once, who knows what would happen I to don't, us. We would 
just be exhausted, you know, yeah. or we'd be here all day, well, all and, week. And many people uh, in this city or visiting Los Angeles from other cities have gone up to City Walk, and I, c- I can only ma- imagine. I mean, there's no there's no wrong way to do City Walk, but there's also a perfect way to do it. And and it, it seems to me, Sector Keeper, that uh, the, the, by laying out the divine sectors, you are uh, providing. The your ideal way of experiencing uh, uh, this this mall. I would call it a perfect sort of roadmap. Yes, look at it as a roadmap. A roadmap that will provide you uh, many things. Uh, mm. Discoveries of mm. popcorn. Mm. Okay. At right. Popcornopolis. Ah. Discoveries of board shorts oh, okay. at Billabong. Discoveries of watches at Fossil. Oh, okay. Discoveries, discoveries of water massages at Zen Zone. Ooh. Okay. And discoveries of well-priced women's fashion at Angel. Oh, oh just like, oh, like okay. scarves and stuff? Yes, like scarves and, and dresses. But at a reasonable uh, price. But at a, a reasonable price, yes. Fashion forward, but a reasonable yes. price. Okay. And that is your first sector. Okay, that's sector, sector one. one. Sector Billabong, one. Billabong, Popcornopolis, Fossil, Zen Zone, <laughs> and Angel, my boys. <laughs> oh, were your boys venture, <laughs> into, venture into the sector. Discuss, but be careful. If you go outside of the sector... My spirit will burn in hell. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, no. I almost spit out the drink I had in my mouth. I didn't, you're... Really? That's what's at stake here? Yes. Oof. Each sector will help piece together my soul. Oh, wow. Once you accomplish each sector, you will get a sector stone. Okay. 19 sector stones make up my soul. Oh my God! Wow. So please go forth, be careful, and I'll be here watching over you as your guardian, okay. guardian, we're se- guardian. So we're like setting you free. Sorry to bring you back real oh, quick. Uh, yes, you- I'm still here. <laughs> so, oh, okay, so we're you know, setting thanks. you free. free so, so yeah, like you can hang out, but like you, we're setting you free. Basically, are you yes. is it like Casper, where like you have unfinished business, or yes, I have unfinished business in the City Walk. Okay, I can't so. get into the details. I'll tell you more as you discover more. Okay, all right, great. But just well, know that I will go to hell if you don't do this. Okay, well, that's a lot to put on us. Huh. Perhaps no podcast has followed a more bizarre and self-destructive trajectory than the podcast for laundry. Originally pitched to us as a podcast to do your laundry to, we honestly had no idea what we were getting into. Over the course of the last year, host and laundry obsessive Brett Davis has been arrested during a live recording, gotten married to a bottle of Tide detergent, and pissed off pretty much every guest that has been unfortunate enough to be booked on the show. Guests including Janine Garofalo, Wyatt Sinek, Tom Sharpling, Bridie Elliott, and Chris Gethard. Please tolerate the following clip featuring Awful Brett and the wonderful Sashir Zameda. You know what I do? I've got, um, if you see my my belt, I've got what looks like a little like a 90s cell phone holder. Yeah. It's kind of thick, but I jam-packed Tide Pods. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's very convenient. Like, you know how people walk around with dog treats? Mm-hmm. I'm sort of like that, but with Tide Pods. Tide Pods. Yeah. That's great. Do you, like, hand them out to strangers or just use them for yourself? strangers for myself mm-hmm. whatever whatever this, you know sometimes i check in on a laundromat and i just pop my head and say everything okay in here yeah <laughs> that's really nice of you and then if, if some it's never happened but if someone's like ah, i forgot my laundromat my my, my card and my now i don't have my detergent i'd be like hey and i toss him a tide pod wow that's mm-hmm. like a commercial yeah for tide pods i'd be worried that they would melt do in- you do commercials I don't any well yeah I do. I okay. I used to do more than I do now, but yes. 
Do you know any advertising agencies? Um, not like I don't have like good relationships with any, but I know of some. Are you looking for sponsorship? No, I'm. Well, yeah, I wish tried, but uh, I think I, I have a lot of great laundry detergent commercial ideas. I'm sure you do. Mm-hmm. There was one uh, commercial I auditioned for, actually for Tide. I didn't get it, but I auditioned oh, for it. Oh my god! And uh, it was like a mom role where you had to like be with a kid who was messy. Uh huh. And um, those auditions with other kids are always weird because you don't know the kid but mm-hmm. their mom is there and you're like trying to like convince them to like chill out and be okay with this new adult <laughs> in this very strange situation interesting there was one i did for loves where i had to hold a baby and that was very strange and it like a live baby i had to hold a live baby and they were like the casting people were asking me questions like do you like kids? Do you like being with kids? And I'm like holding it as far away as possible. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a blast for me. And it wasn't because it was wet. It was a very wet baby. Mm. Most was, babies was are wet. one baby like kind of being passed around all day? I think they had multiple babies being passed okay. around. I think that one, that baby maybe did a couple auditions and then they're like, okay, we get, we get what that baby's deal is. And then they bring in another baby. Do you still have your sides? I don't. No. Oh. That would have been a fun segment. Uh, yeah, sorry. It's like sort of living your dream. Yeah. I mean, I've done other stuff since then, but... I could be the baby. <laughs> you could hold me like a little baby. No. You're, you're a little bigger than a baby. Oh, yeah, but I could be a little baby. I need my laundry done. The baby didn't have lines. It was just, it was just the adult that had the, li- the lines, so baby just sat there coo i could coo you could do you want to improv this you're okay yeah let's do it okay um wow should i get in your lap no no you can stay right there okay and we'll just pretend uh that you are in my lap okay all right as a busy mom i don't have time to just clean up all the time (laughs) when i'm on the go (laughs) When I'm on the go, <laughs> and my and my son's on the go, I use loves. Yeah, that seems great. Yeah, that was really great. Good. What, what do you use? Loves. What's loves? The, the diaper company. Oh, I thought we were doing a laundry commercial. Oh, let's let's go back and do a laundry yeah, commercial. Please. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. I'm a busy mom, and I don't have time to just run around. and pick up my kids' clothes all the time. As you, as you can see, little Herbert gets very upset often. So when I need to get my kids' clothes ready to go... There's a reason for this. Okay. Um, when I need to get my kids' clothes ready to go, I use Tide. Oh, see? Look how happy he is now, now that I'm using Tide. Tide Pod. Those were your first words. Tide Pod. Oh, don't Tide eat it. Pod. Don't eat it, sweetie. Wow, that was great. Yeah. I wish there was a casting director here because that would have been amazing. Well, we could just sit, send this. We you know, they do radio ads. This is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, maybe this could be on Spotify. 
Imagine if you don't have the Spotify Premium and you're just kind of going through your day and then you hear that in between your you know, workout playlist or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. It'd be so exciting. It'd be so exciting. You're like, wow, maybe I should get tied. Is that Sashir? <laughs> Is that Brett? Well, they're doing well. Yeah. <laughs> One of two podcasts at Forever Dog hosted by the prolific duo of Lindsay K. Ty and Kelly Nugent, Public Domain Theater started out as a bonus episode and has since grown into one of the most rewarding and bingeable back catalogs in the comedy podcast universe. Public Domain Theater is like Masterpiece Theater meets Mystery Science Theater 3000. Lindsay Kelly and their guests read a classic or not-so-classic work of literature from the public domain and interrupt it with hilarious commentary. If you're looking for an episode to start with, try Sherwood Anderson's The Egg with guest Rhea Butcher, Bram Stoker's The Duelitists with guest Mary Holland, named one of IndieWire's best podcast episodes of 2018, or Irving E. Cox's Love Story with guest Nick Weiger, which is where this clip comes from. True to yourself. George found a strange comfort in the words, and his fear was gone. Oh, no. He squared his shoulders and faced the mouth of her gun. True to yourself. That was something worth dying for. He saw a flicker of emotion in the old woman's eyes. Admiration? He couldn't be sure. For at the moment, a shot rang out from the end of the corridor, and the top director fell back, nursing a hand suddenly bright with blood. Oh, Wait, my what? Did somebody God. else shoot her? A rove roving band a of roving bachelors, band of bachelors? or is it jenny oh, oh no no oh, it's no. Jenny! jenny jenny no 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 don't do this <laughs> let him go no it was jenny's no, voice no, <laughs> jenny jenny she was sheltered by a partly open door at the foot of the stairway no, no, don't no. be a fool the old woman replied he's no. seen too much it doesn't matter who would believe him you're upset you don't realize he's mine and i want him (laughs) the directorate will give you a refund of the purchase price oh my god you didn't understand me i don't want one of your pretty automatons anybody can buy them for a few shares of stock i want a man a real man i want to belong to him He belongs to Watching you. Watching a horror movie. You bought him. <laughs> no, no, ay, ay, ay. And that's what's wrong. We really belong to each other. Oh, this is so cheesy. An old woman glanced at George and he saw the flame flicker of feeling in her eyes. Oh. And tears, tears of regret. Why? We have you outnumbered, the old woman said quietly to Jenny. I don't care. I have a gun. I'll use it as long as I'm able. <laughs> oh, my God. The moral squad raised their weapons. The director shook her head imperiously, and they snapped to attention again. If you take him from us, she called out to Jenny, you'll be outlawed. We'll hunt you down if we can. I want him, Jenny persisted. I don't care about the rest of it. The old woman nodded at George. He couldn't believe that she meant it. The director was on her home ground in her headquarters building backed by an armed squad of stone-faced Amazons. She had no reason to let him go. She walked beside him as he moved down the hall. When they, were 20, when they were 20 feet from the guard, she closed her thin hand on his arm. Her eyes swam with tears and she whispered, Punch me. <laughs> <laughs> there truly is a love potion. Not this nonsense we bottle here, but something real and very worthwhile. You and this girl have found it. I know that from the way she talks. She oh doesn't say anything about God. ownership and that's as it should be. As it has to be for any of us to be happy. Hold tight to that all the rest of your life. Don't ever believe in words. Don't fall for any more love stories. Believe what you feel deep inside. 
what you know yourself to be true. You men who learn to break away are our only hope, too. Oh! Sorry, who is talking right now? This is, is imperial. This is the old woman who's been shot. Why did she all of a sudden change her mind? I don't know. She's I flipped a hundred eighty. Oh so God. much. <laughs> Most of us don't see that yet. I do. I know what it used to be like. Someday there may, which so she's like over ninety years old. Yeah. Someday there may be enough men with a stamina to take back the place of dominance that we stole oh from my them. God. We oh thought we God. wanted it for decades before we had oh been screaming. God. About oh my women's God. Oh rights. My God. No! <laughs> oh my God. This is horrible. This is the scariest story I've ever read. This is a nightmare. This is horrible. This is horrible. <laughs> this book, this story. Her thin lips twisted in a steer and she spat her disgust. Finally, we took what we wanted, and it turned to ashes in our hands. We made our men playthings. We made them slaves. And after that, they weren't men anymore. But what we stole isn't the sort of thing you can hand back on a silver platter. I thought she was shot. Why is she talking so long? I don't know. I am going to throw up, too. I hate this. Seriously, I'm nauseous. But what we stole isn't the sort of thing you can hand back on a silver platter. You men have to get enough courage to take it away from us. Oh, my God. Her grip tightened on his arm. No. There's a fire door at the end of the hall. If you push the emergency button, you'll close it. That will give you a five or ten minute start. I can't help you anymore. They were abreast of Jenny. She seized Jenny's hand and thrust it into his. Beat it, kids. There's what? A, there's a bachelor camp on the North Ridge. You can make it. Bachelor camp. And from here on in, what he says goes, the old woman added. Yeah! Are you kidding me? Don't forget it. (laughs) One of 2018's fastest growing podcasts, an absolute phenomenon that's just getting started. Please enjoy the following clip from Race Chaser, an episode by episode discussion, dissection and dissemination of RuPaul's Drag Race hosted by the franchise's very own golden child and prodigal son, Alaska Thunderfuck and Willem. And if you live in the Los Angeles area, do not miss Race Chaser's very first live show taking place Friday, January 11th at the Theater at the Ace Hotel. Tickets on sale now at RaceChaserTickets.com. Now, for this challenge, for the first time, there's a live studio audience and a fake band. The band is (laughs) definitely fake fake because you could tell it's the track and then you're like, I love a fake band. Nowadays, they would have the pit crew doing it in their underwear. Oh, for sure. With no shoes. Yeah. It's very very rocker. No shoes. No shoes. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to see a sock on the go-go boys. Uh -uh. Go-go boys, please keep your socks on. The health department's coming (laughs) by tonight. (laughs) Matching socks, please, tonight. (laughs) No holes. (laughs) What'd you say? Uh, Uh. (laughs) Um, so the girls, the basic rundown is, I think, from kind of like top to bottom, Jessica surprises and really delivers and is confident. Pandora's voice is kind of eh, but like she's, you know, doing her like rock moves. Yeah. Hey, now you're an all-star. Get your game on. Go I play. I think she looked cute. Yeah, she's kind of smash mouth. Like she has smash the mouth crimpy a- hair and like she's giving rocker and she's characterized She's as- giving me Lindsay Lohan mall rocker. From I, Freaky Friday. Exactly. That hair could have been teased out. She could have had like a couple scabs. But you know, she's clean, concise package. Yes. She demands an ovation as she walks out and peels off one piece of sequin dot fabric. Honey, we've all done it. I've De- never demanded applause. I've I never demanded so applause, stupid. but I've done the sequin dot reveal. I know. 
I've done shows with you. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm not no one it. saw. No one sees this reveal coming. I'm wearing just a Sequined sheet up. of fabric. <laughs> um, no one knows that I'm going to take this off. I know. I'm right? keeping this on for the whole show. <laughs> Uh, I, I think any time that you have to go out for a challenge and you have to get an audience ready that, like, has been sitting, come on, get, you know, clap your hands. It's always, like, a risk because they could always just to cut to the audience giving nooch. Yeah. And also, keep in mind, this audience has to watch how many queens sing the same exact song? Uh, six? Wow. Seven times in a row, which... Okay, it's going to be hard to get that audience going. For sure. Um, Sahara actually forgets some of the lyrics. Um, yeah. But Tati adds her own. She gets some chanting T-A-T-I, bitch. T-A-T-I. Tati turns the party every time. She's a great performer. Raven, too. Raven does really well, not surprisingly. And she's got yeah. a little... Something that, for me, is like a, a wet cotton ball pulling apart. <laughs> There's just a thin strip of panty over a padded ass. And to me, that's just like... I don't know. It just the padded patio as with a thong over it is a rare thrilling moment. It's a very Inland Empire moment. It because the Morgan girls it do it. The girls do. Morgan does it. Yes. Raven does it. It doesn't to me resemble a real ass enough for it to be like for it to have the impact that a thong is supposed to have. Yeah, I'm not saying put on depends, but put on a light panty, a French cut, a brief. You know it. Yes. It draws attention to the wrong area. It's like, oh, okay, that's, you know. It's it's more for drag queens than it is for, like, the audience. Sure, Because it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, and Raven, like, keeps turning around and, like, showing her ass off. And it's like, it's like a, like a, um, like a loaf of bread with, like, a piece of tape over the 100. middle. It's 100. not... It doesn't resemble an ass. And, and the seam from the pantyhose is off-center from... Okay, I'm not going to knock off points for that. A girl presentation. I'm not going to knock off points, points for that. Points for the presentation. Anyway, but she fares well, Rue's living, because she looks like <laughs> Rue's baby stepdaughter. She has a tattoo of Jinx Monsoon on her forearm as She well. looks like Terry Nunn. She's selling it. They love it. She has Terry Nunn's hair on, basically. And um, I believe that's an exposed corset. It, ding! Ding! <laughs> 100%. Um, Tyra is doing... Exposed corset! <laughs> now we do it every episode. Season two. Um, Tyra is dressed like Beyonce does rock, basically. That wig has been around the world at this point. It has, it has multiple stamps. That Morgan McMichael's All-Stars promo wig has been around the world. For sure. And she's giving Beyonce choreography, codography... Um, she walks backwards like Beetlejuice at one point and says, <laughs> I'm going to do this. If you are, this is a case of the clothes are, are taking over. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, especially for rock and roll, it's supposed to be about connection with Visceral. the audience. Visceral in the moment, mm-hmm. free. But she's like, I'm doing this thing with the code. Produced. And I'm not singing the words where they go at all. Yeah. She was in her own, she marched into her own band. And that yeah. was on a, on a one person loop in her head. Yeah. But she had immunity, so she, she was vulnerable. She uh, made mistakes, and she learned from she, it probably. And she thanks probably, the, yeah. And she's very thankful for it. I bet. Thank you for your critique. <laughs> <laughs> Sketch comedy and podcasting are an absolute match made in heaven, and that's why we were very excited this year to produce John Milheiser and Zed Kutzinger's ten-part series radio shorts. 
a collection of comedy sketches for your ears written and performed by over 30 of New York and L.A.'s premier sketch comedians. One of our favorites was Starla Summers, a sketch about an unfortunate cruise ship entertainer written by Jesse Esparza and Kat Pilardi, performed by Kat Pilardi and presented here in its entirety. Face in the Western Hemisphere for a cruise ship. Thank you, Time Magazine! Yay! Oh, I'm gonna sit down because, baby, I'm feeling dizzy. <laughs> ah! How did my asshole get burned? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, how about a joke? Here we go. If I don't die of an intense sunburn today, I will definitely develop a bit of melanoma. Or at the very least, basal cell carcinoma, because skin cancer runs in my family. Who wants a conga line? You, sir, come on up. Yeah, let's start a conga line. Hands right on the shoulders there. The fuck, who the fuck? Yeah, and we're back. <laughs> you know what it is? It's like I woke up in the middle of surgery and I could feel all the pain. Yeah. <laughs> okay, enough about me. I hear we have a corporate team from you on board today. Can you give me a hey, Starla? Hey, Starla. Yeah. Family from the back hills of Georgia. Can I get a hey, Starla? Hey, Starla. <laughs> yeah. Now, are there any doctors or nurses on board? Because I'm, I'm pretty deep in heat stroke here. I'm smelling burnt toast. Come on, doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Come on, a bad case of skin peeling right off my body here. Woo! Hey, 
kind of shake here. I don't know how much time I have here. But more importantly, we have some newlyweds on board today. Yes, we do. We got some newlyweds. Now, welcome to you. Diane, this goes out to you from Richard. Just gonna walk right off the stage here. What? I'm so sad. <laughs> I thought I would be with my family when I died. <laughs> Happy marriage. Good night forever. Oh! She's dead. Next up is Relatively Healthy, Jenny Stoller's podcast about health, sex, wellness, dating, and self-care. This year, Janie has conducted some of the most honest and revealing interviews that you will ever hear on a comedy podcast, covering topics such as breast cancer, body acceptance, grief, plastic surgery, polyamory, addiction, heart transplants, mental illness, and menstrual products. Definitely one of the highlights of Relatively Healthy this year was Janie's two-part series on abortion, which included this clip with guest Kim Kalish. Uh, when you're trying to defend abortion, you try to make it seem like it's not that big of a deal yes. so it doesn't feel scary. <laughs> yes. And that's fair and that's fine. But for me, I got lost in it because all I was hearing from people who are pro-choice is like, it's fine. It doesn't matter. Is fine. I don't regret it. And, you know, I'm two years out and that first due date that came through I was a mess over. I had to go take a hike up a mountain with my dog and I just left for the day. And I was like, peace out. I need to go do this. And sometimes I still do the math of how old that kid would be if I had kept uh, if I had kept it and I and I, I go through it and I still think about it. And I I never question my decision, but I always think, what if I had made a different decision? So in the in the battle of abortion that seems to get really lost. And I just wish, I know there's got to be more women than just me thinking about it. So, and I would think that I'm probably in the majority. It's just that there's such a shame because we all live in the shadows Mm -hmm. that we don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. You know, and we're scared of pissing people off too. I think a lot of the time, I mean, there's also what you're saying is interesting because if there's a pressure to scream, you know, and some people, they're just naturally wired like this or they feel this way. They want to scream about it. They love it. It's the best thing that they ever did. No complicated feelings. But if we also want to talk to people who don't necessarily understand it, sometimes I feel like we're all having different conversations. Like there's just not – people who are pro-choice and anti-choice sometimes are just not talking about the same thing. Like they're not talking about the same experience, the same type of right. story. So by – being able to fill in those blanks with all the stories, as many as possible, actual experiences, I feel like that does a lot of service to, you know, just like undo some of those huge divides. Yeah, I would agree with that. I also think that society at whole as whole, but also women, we hold women up to such a high moral standard mm-hmm. that's much higher than men. We, oh, yeah. We can't mess up. And so... And we represent all women. Right. One thing you do means everything for everybody. Right. So you you tend to get the extremes on both sides and you just lose nuance. And 
I don't know one topic or conversation in this world that doesn't have nuance, you know? And, and I just, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I don't think I'll ever be the person that's screaming at the top of my lungs that I've had an abortion, but like I'll sit down and talk to anybody who will have it, yeah. you know? And, and I just feel like there's a huge majority in there that we just don't get talked about all that much. Yeah. And then that just keeps propelling the stigma forward because right. then it's shut out. And then if the one in three, where are their right. voices? So I'm not going to add mine either. Right. Yeah. Well, also take it from a, if you take it from a pro-life stance, if all you see are women screaming about they how they don't care, but you believe that life begins at conception, I totally understand why you would think they were crazy. You and, think they're screaming how proud they are to kill a baby. Right. Totally. Right. And so you lack the ability to ever have a conversation with them if there isn't a group of people saying, no, hang on, hang on. I do believe I had a baby and I had to make this horrific choice and it was rough, but I had to make this choice. Right. And I can't make that choice for you and you can't make that choice for me. There are few podcasts that make better use of sound and atmosphere than the very cool, very trippy Sassy Tarot hosted by Veronica Osorio. Described as an audio journey through the world of the tarot, Veronica provides interactive readings, explains the meaning of the cards and how to interpret them, shares unforgettable stories from her life, and brings on guests for live readings. And all the while, she's accompanied by a live improvised soundtrack courtesy of musician Peter Mark Kendall. Sassy Tarot is a truly unique listening experience. Just listen to this clip featuring Beyond's very own Mike Kelton. My angel experiences have been... uh... Oh, I don't know. A lot. I got, I, I had a terrible, f- I was going to do this work. I was hired as an actress for this high level thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a terrible, random, like out of nowhere fight with the producer. Mm-hmm. I n- have never fought in my life. I'm uh, so yeah, against conflict. I don't conflict. know you as a contentious person. I don't know myself either. I know that I get upset about it. Conflict makes me very stressed. I will f- say things frontally mm-hmm. but I don't know how that escalated so and it turned into some mostly it was me in a corner being like f- defending myself and so I felt like a cage animal and that has never happened in my life oh, and I I'm left so sorry. very like thank you I, I left very like shaky and was like fuck that has never happened like I try to like look back and regret it regret having reacted or uh-huh. said or and I couldn't regret really anything so uh-huh. I was kind of calm that way like I don't think there's one thing that I could have done differently mm-hmm. frankly yeah honestly that I don't even regret it yeah and it, not in a bad way like I wish maybe it wouldn't have gone that way but I don't regret it but I couldn't get this like terrible yucky post fight like doom you know like this like darkness in your yeah Uh in your heart so i went two days later to get a reiki session because i wanted to clear that energy Uh and also i was frankly losing my mind i felt like they put like energetic like grips on me or something yeah that can happen it can stick to you for sure if someone gets to you if they manage to lower your vibration your they get you in a bad place emotionally Uh i've heard it's easier to to get it to attack you. Uh-huh. Uh, and I have a little story about that. Um, oh, I love. <laughs> two petty, petty, petty stories. Oh, I love. <laughs> I love petty stories. <laughs> I love it too. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> so I went to get the Reiki session and I'm just like laying there and she's doing her thing. But one of the images that I had 
It was so heavy, so strong. Before my accident, I prayed to Michael. Mm-hmm. I was like, please, Michael, because that's my... No, no, my Italian grandpa, that's his mm-hmm. angel, and like we just we all pray to Michael. Mm-hmm. Not pray to, but ask. Mm-hmm. So Dorian Virtue is the one who ta- taught me, like, when you want help, outside help, mm-hmm. you need to ask. Yeah, you have to communicate with your yes. masters or whatever. Because free will is true. Uh-huh. So free will, you're going about your life, and then you're like, I don't know what to do with this, I don't know what to do with this. Instead of using your brain like that, you can just go... Anyone who's qualified to help me with this, any idea, any thought, any person, please send it my way because I need this help. And then it, um, you at least are opening your brain mm-hmm. to receive oh, this yeah. solution versus just like staying in the asking place. If you stay in the negativity of it, yes, you kind of like tear yourself apart. Yeah, because you're not even actively looking for a solution. Mm-hmm. While when you ask, even if you don't believe in angels, you're asking. So you're putting your mind already in that uh-huh. in that position. It's literally the idea of like asking for help when you need it. Yeah. And people will help you if you ask. Yes. So this is like a mental exercise to be like... Ask the energies available to please come to you and help you. So I do that. With the accident, I I barely, like, I scratch myself, basically, even though it was hard. When the Reiki session was happening, I closed my eyes, blah, 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 and then two huge muscular legs came out from inside of mine, and then they were so, 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 so long that I got lifted from Earth. Like literally saw the earth like becoming smaller. Obsessed with this. <laughs> so you visualize two like big muscular. I did it. This image, it's like when you when you're between asleep and awake, uh-huh. that a bunch of images just come uh-huh. and they're not uh-huh. yours, but they're not a dream. Mm-hmm. That that stage. I'm obsessed. She was doing Reiki, and I was like having random images and kind of thoughts because I'm still kind of conscious. And then two huge, muscular, super great, big legs grow from inside of mine. But they were like energetic legs. They lift me from the earth. And then I look back and there's uh, six feet long wings. Gigantic. Just the, the... I knew it was Michael and I knew he grew from inside of me. So as to say, like, you're protected from inside out. Mm Mm-hmm lifted me from the earth and then walked with his two it was like milky white with like a blue energy lining or something walked me from where i was on earth to a few steps and then he slowly put me down and then i landed in a different place and then more images came like that image went and then i realized i was like oh i I woke up and then I told this girl who was doing Reiki to me and she was like, oh, that was Michael. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. She knew it was Michael? Yeah. She was like, this is Michael. And I was like, okay. Yeah, it was Michael. Oh my God, this story. (laughs) I know it's crazy. I don't, I mean. It is a bold move to introduce yourself to the world as the sister podcast of Las Culturistas. But that is exactly what Catherine Cohen and Pat Regan did this year with their podcast, Seek Treatment. And over the course of 20 plus episodes, they have proven themselves more than worthy of that title. In fact, Seek Treatment and Las Culturistas were just named Best Extended Podcast Universe of 2018 by Vulture. Wow, I didn't know that was an award. Each week, Cat and Pat invite on a guest to have a fun, flirty conversation about boys, sex, fucking, dating, and love. And the proof is in 
the goddamn pudding, people. Please enjoy this clip from the episode Sucking a Dick is My Wedding with guest Amy Solomon. I'm going through a lot of changes right now. I really feel like I'm growing right now. I think I'm growing right now. Oh, good. I think I'm in this place where I'm getting things that I want. And I think in like three years, I'll have everything I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. What I'm scared of is uh, as I'm like getting closer to the things I want, I'm, I'm, I'm realizing it not I'm, – I'm seeing it not make me happy. And I'm like, oh, my God, this dragon I've been chasing for a decade is going to be a – um, golden calf and I will never be happy. I feel like my life is so perfect right now and everything good is happening. I need to just enjoy it instead of being anxious all the time. I yeah. do feel like you have to, I don't know, I don't quite know how to do it, but like you perform, I was thinking about it last night with you performing at Joe's Pub, like a literal thing you dreamed of in high school. I know. Like how do we stop and be like, Holy shit. Even some for me, something as simple as like if, when I suck a dick, I'm like, I used to always want to suck a dick. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Destroy the moment. <laughs> I was like 23. I, w- I remember being 23 and like having a dream that I sucked a dick and I was still closeted and I was like, I wonder if I'll ever in my whole life Aww. suck a dick. So just, even in something as simple as sucking a dick. Well, you should be celebrating the dick sucking. Sucking a dick is my Joe's Pup show. <laughs> You're just pub show at the duplex. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just show at the duplex where ticket link is now available. This, this podcast will come out the day of. <laughs> and, and Joe's pub show is Catherine's wedding. So by chance of the property, sucking a dick is my wedding. <laughs> sucking it, me sucking a dick is Catherine's wedding. Wait, I'm obsessed with the transitive property, and Joe's pub is my wedding. <laughs> now listen. <laughs> The second podcast in this episode, hosted by Lindsay Katai and Kelly Nugent, is the absolutely beloved Teen Creeps, a weekly book club of YA pulp fiction from the 80s and 90s, which joined Forever Dog at the beginning of 2018 and proceeded to rip through an incredible run of episodes, tackling titles such as Arl Stein's The Prom Queen, Christopher Pike's Starlight Crystal, and L.J. Smith's Daughters of Darkness. Named one of the 25 best podcasts of 2018 by Cosmopolitan, Teen Creeps is, quote, the book club you wish you had when you were young. Except it's even better that you're discovering it now because you'll get more of the jokes. And beyond the books, one of the most compelling parts of Teen Creeps is the seemingly endless amount of awkward, hilarious, and exquisitely relatable coming-of-age stories that Lindsay and Kelly share, including the following clip from the episode on Arl Stein's Cheerleaders, The Third Evil, in which Kelly introduces us for the first, but not the last time, to her very, very unforgettable aunt. So I have an aunt... Uh-oh. Who nervous about where this is going? Makes everybody do things for her. And like she's just very she's very strange. Like when she's talking to you, she'll get out this little notebook and like take notes on what you're saying. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, she's intense. And she's also a person that will like um she just like likes being pampered and like massaged and like that kind of thing but like by people she knows oh my god what yeah it's pretty weird like and she'll always like um like she said to my mom they are the same age she goes twee do you want this is how she talks to oh my god do you want me to braid your hair and my mom was like what (laughs) and she's like i just love the feeling of when people play with my hair and you have such beautiful hair do you mind if I play with it? Oh, my <laughs> God. But she will do things like that. Like, she... Watch an ASMR video, lady. <laughs> Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> she will, like... I remember when she used to stay at my grandparents' house. There's, like, a guest bedroom and a guest bathroom. 
she would go into my grandparents, and both had bathtubs, go into my grandparents' master bathroom, take bubble baths, leave the tub completely full of bubbles, (laughs) bubbles all over the floor, (laughs) and then just take all of their towels, use every single one of their (laughs) towels, and then put them wherever she would like end up going. Then... When she she put all the towels like on the kitchen table or whatever, wherever she was like done with her towels. And my grandma was like, oh, when you're going upstairs, could you bring the towels up and put them in the hamper? And she was like, oh, a wet towel is too heavy for me to hold. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but you were holding, holding the towel. I know. That's how it got wet. <laughs> no, it's so. Are you insane? There was so much. Holy she was like, I remember. What was oh. her name? Oh, I don't know if I want to say it. It's not as good as I was hoping. No, no. Let's call her what? Annabella. Annabella. <laughs> um, she uh, also no, I no, remember no. I new name. Sorry, no souffle. Souffle. Very good. <laughs> souffle entree. Souffle entree. Can you, can you just go, hello, I'm Souffle Entree, and then say the thing about braiding hair again? Okay. Oh, no. I'll, I'll do an actual line that oh, she has okay. said oh, at, the, at the beach. Good. Hello, I'm Souffle Entree. Can you put suntan lotion in between my toes? Oh, my me? God. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> no. And then her husband did it. No. And we were all like, ugh. <laughs> Souffle entree, you are too much. Um. Oh. Oh. So this is when my dad's driving. Oh, Mark, can you <laughs> please slow down when you go over the speed bumps? I. I. Oh, don't leave before I place my seatbelt on. <laughs> this woman has also gone whitewater rafting. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> she I also has like a thousand ailments. Everything about she's a stories. thousand ailments. She like. Uh, it's like. Mm. I need my tinctures. Okay, here's 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 an example of something that happened. Okay, where my grandma's like on her deathbed, she's dying, dying, dying. Everybody, <laughs> everybody's in town. We're all waiting. What in, a way to intro. Yeah, we're we're all waiting in the uh, in the waiting room. Uh, me and my cousins, who are all fairly normal, are all sitting here, just feeling you know a little bit sad, but also kind of punchy and weird. My aunt, first of all. She she was like, I have to go to the bathroom. And I had to go also. So like I went to the bathroom and then she was like, oh, it is so nice of you to come with me into the bathroom. And I was like, I'm just I'm just going to the bathroom. <laughs> then so she comes back. We're all sitting. She opens up her. She brought a cooler to the hospital, gets out a Costco sized thing of applesauce. <laughs> oh, my God. Like slowly and daintily, like unscrews the top, gets out her spoon. No, eats one spoon. No, closes. No. <laughs> was it like one of those tiny spoons that you use to feed a baby it that was, has like oh, the, rubber the rubber end on it? No, but it was a to-go plastic smallish spoon that's like you would throw away. But she had it. She used that. That and me and my cousins were like. <gasps> Such a weird fucking detail. And then she, and then she like put it, put it away. And then she got out her zippy bag of apple slices, ate one apple slice, closed it, and then put it away. She, she took a single bite 
of applesauce <laughs> and then ate a single a slice single of apple. apple. Or she'll also bring... Um, Her full name is Souffle Apple Entree. <laughs> Sou- Sou- Souffle Apple Entree. One thing that we here at Forever Dog will always remember about 2018 was getting the privilege to reboot Ben Acker and Ben Blacker's legendary podcast, The Thrilling Adventure Hour. Renamed The Thrilling Adventure Hour Treasury, we've released three episodes so far with many more on the way, featuring the triumphant return of classic segments such as Sparks Nevada, Marshall on Mars, Beyond Belief, and the cross-time adventures of Colonel TikTok, as well as new tales, new writers, new guest stars, and a bold new sound. All Treasury episodes are recorded in studio with expansive sound design and new musical themes and arrangements. You can expect one new episode from the Treasury every month in 2019, as well as a previously unreleased live recording from the Thrilling Adventure Hour vault. And if you want more of the Thrilling Adventure Hour, you can access the entire back catalog, complete libraries of classic segments, and bonus content on Patreon at patreon.com slash thrillingadventurehour. But in the meantime, please enjoy this holiday-themed rendition of Beyond Belief, Featuring Paul F. Tompkins, Paget Brewster, Rob Benedict, and Hal Lublin. It's time to send the little ones to Dreamland and set your radio's dial to spooky. Bolt the doors, lock your windows, and steal yourself a mysterious suspense in this evening's final feature, Beyond Belief. Meet Frank and Sadie Doyle. The toast of the upper crust. Headliners on the society pages. And oh yes, they see ghosts. Who cares what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Unless evil's carrying the martini tray, darling. Join the Doyles in tonight's dark episode, If These Walls Could Talk. Our story begins in a penthouse apartment at the famed Plaza Hotel, where Frank and Sadie Doyle are about to taste the unknown. Eggnog. Eggnog. Here goes. Oh my. This tastes like the punchline of a joke in which a cow has walked into a bar. I care for neither the joke nor the drink. As you suspected, the recipe was clearly incorrect. How much bourbon do you think would be sufficient to nog an egg? All of it, I imagine. If not more, I can still taste it. Take this, darling. The most astringent martini I know how to make. For emergencies only. You had it ready, didn't you? Anytime an uncertain mixer is involved, my Boy Scout training kicks in. I do so love a man in uniform. That did the trick. Shall we investigate the rest of this gift basket from the Vickers? No reason to punish the other gifts. What else have we got in here? Those small brown man cookies, their red and white walking sticks, chestnuts, which are basically poison. Speaking of which, freshen your drink? Mmm... Look, Frank, a present. Shall I undress it? Only if you wish for me to be jealous of it. I do. Oh, this is truly quite something, Frank. Exquisite. Priceless. It's us. This photo of us from the Vickers Gala, the night I drank Mr. Vickers under the table. I remember that table. It held its liquor far better than the host. That must be why I remember it so fondly. And look at this picture's handsome frame. On the back he's written, To the most winsome couple in Manhattan, Merry Christmas. Christmas! Is that still happening? Oh, Frank, 
We didn't get Mr. Vickers anything, and he got us us. Well, let us think of something to get him. He's got everything he could ever want, save a stronger tolerance. How about you fix us another couple of rounds to think by, and I'll hang this picture on that wall. So rugged. Aren't I? Now, where is that instrument used to hang things? A hammer? Yes, and that which is hammed? A nail? Here you are, my rugged darling. All right. Just like dispatching a small vampire, you line up the stake, in this case a nail, and... Ow! Ah! Who just screamed? You did. And who before that? I did. It was me. Your wall. These walls can talk? Just this one. Just me. The west wall. You're my favorite wall. Papered as you are with a tanned, prickled texture. Thank you. That's my skin. Or was. It is. The skin still is. It's just I that was. I suppose I kind of am. So what precisely are you? And what exactly were you? I'm this, now. But I was a man. A hundred percent human. A human man? The plaza man said it was ostrich. Nope. All me. Definitely me. I remember because it really hurt to get flayed alive. Never get flayed alive, I always say. Not if you can avoid it. Oh, please. Mr. Doyle, you could handle getting flayed any day of the week. You've been through so much. Ghosts, vampires. Hey, remember when all those genies came over? Vaguely. Oh, you must remember. You, you were right over there, and you were all out of drinks. That seems both likely and unlikely. You found a bottle, but instead of booze... Hold it right there. I will not tolerate a flashback episode. I forbid it. Oh, we came right up to it, didn't we? Sorry. I know I shouldn't have said anything in the first place. But in my defense, I was hammered. Our most frequently used defense. And I suppose I must apologize for taking a tool to you. Sorry, old chap. My name is... was... is... Walton. Which is a coincidence, I admit. Wally the Wall. Like when guys named Taylor can really thread a needle, know what I'm saying? Not really. You mean to tell me you've been watching, listening, spying this whole time? Would you have preferred I made my presence known? I think I might have. I know I would have. Voyeurs by invitation only. Yeah, I meant to, but I guess I never found my moment. But now's as good a time as any, right? Not like you've got another oddity knocking on that door today. Right, well... I require more drink. Frank, will you help me mix a martini by the, uh, east wall? Certainly, darling. Frank, I'm not sure I like the non-consensual presence of this sentient surface. I couldn't agree more, love. What's next, a garrulous floor? No, thank you. We must find a way to move him out. Are you guys talking about me? No. No. Yeah, you are. Are you talking about exercising me from this wall? Why would you ever think this? I know you. That's what you do. As it turns out, we've decided to exorcise you from our wall. But where will I go? Come again? The spirits you exorcise, do you know what happens to them? It depends on them. Walton, unless we're upset, we tend to send them where they think they should go based on their circumstances and perspective. So they could end up someplace terrible, like a, a swimming pool filled with wigs and mustard. Only if that is their rather specific fear. It is. And they believe that's what they deserve. I do. Then, yes. Do you drink? You sound like you could use a drink. <sighs> Back when I was a guy with hands, I never had friends like you. Now the Frank Doyle is asking me to dance. Drink to drink. And all I can do is stand here like some kind of... Some kind of, uh... Ah, 
I'm sure there's a word for it. Now, don't get too down. It was a good run. You've been part of our adventures all along, Walton. We just didn't know it. Yeah, it's been fun. Are you? It's been real fun. Uh, God, it's been so much fun. Uh, please don't cry. I'm sorry. I've made it awkward now. Only now? Just now you've made it awkward? To be awkward is to be aware. Descartes. You're sure you don't want a drink? I don't have any kind of digestive tract, but if you wouldn't mind not exercising me, I won't make a peep again. It'd be like I'm not even here. As if I could forget. Perhaps Sadie has the solution. You are the wallpaper, not the wall itself. Yes, I'm more of a skin condition than anything else, really. Shall we peel you off the wall, then? And do what with me? Deliver you somewhere nice. Do you fancy Bermuda this time of year? They've got plenty of walls there on which to live out the rest of your bizarre consciousness. That's the thing. I'm not sure I want to be a wall anymore. Well, then what would you care to be? I'm basically leather. Instead of watching you, always watching you, I could be wrapped around you, Mrs. Doyle, holding you. No. I do not like the sound of any of that. Nor do I. Me neither. Neither what you said nor how you said it. No. But you know who would love a one-of-a-kind coat for Christmas? Mr. Vickers, to whom we owe a gift. Wonderful. May we dispatch two birds with you, Walter? Uh, frankly, I don't know if I want some strange man to wear me. Well, Vickers isn't strange. He merely traverses the globe in a boring old copper zeppelin filled with trunks and trunks of dull old money and everyday flammable gas. What's strange about that? Luxuriously on the edge. He calls himself the Thrillionaire, which is either ridiculous or admirable. Honestly, I go back and forth. I don't know. Listen, you can be a coat or remain a wall, but you can't stay here. Fine. Mr. Vickers' coat it is. Here we go. I'll just reach up and peel you at this corner, Walton. Oh, my God, that is painful! Oh, dear. Maybe all in one go, like pulling off a band-aid, but in a scenario in which it hurts only the band-aid. Just do it. Just do it. Don't talk about it. Just do it. Just, 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 just do it. Oh, Jesus, Mary Joseph, go fun! Well, well, what we need is a little lubrication. What is that? A gimlet for your glue. Whoa. Who said I couldn't drink? Me? Wrong. I was wrong. I apologize. Walton's feeling quite nicely now, wouldn't you say, Frank? I would describe Walton as supple. This is honestly a dream come true. Hmm. Uh, what is this on your skin, Walton? Some kind of marking? <laughs> you found my tattoo. A tattoo? Were you a sailor? No, I was a member of a secret society. I should never have joined a secret society. I just knew I'd end up a wall. I always do. You know. Frank, we've seen that tattoo before. I think I'd remember. Turn it upside down. Ooh. Oh, this is from the Triangle Club. They tried to recruit me about ten years back. Frank, isn't that when the plaza said an outside contractor had gifted us the ostrich wallpaper? And the wallpaper arrived after we concluded that the Triangle Club was nothing but a men's group for warlocks. Indeed. Didn't we put a stop to their entire chapter? You eradicated the isosceles cauldron? No, 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 no. We helped them eradicate themselves. Oh, you did. The club felt like a very wronged triangle, Mr. Doyle. Determined to make it a right. Are you saying they flayed you because of our actions, Walton? Oh, no, I got flayed way before that. For infidelity. And not even mine. You know Pythagorean? Warlock? Yeah, his wife is whose infidelity it was. Well, why would they ever save you for us? Oh, well, my punishment was to be a punishment. I... 
honestly, I'm supposed to drain your souls. I'm what's called a... Um, oh, man, I can never remember. But it's bad. It's a word that means a patch of cursed skin that drains out souls. Um, God, yeah, I, I don't remember. You guys know? No. Wally... Have you been draining our souls? Please be honest. I would never. No, I mean, I was supposed to. I was gonna. But then I couldn't do it because I loved you guys right away. We are touched, Walton. But if we send you as a coat to Mr. Vickers, are you going to drain his soul? If he's not as charming as you, maybe. I suppose we can't send him to Mr. Vickers then, can we, Frank? No, Vickers is more eccentric than charming. That wouldn't do. Shall we send you to that warlock who flayed you and then tried to destroy us? Is he still kicking? Oh, Pythagorean? Yeah, let me see. What are you seeing exactly? I'm expanding my consciousness outward. All, um, whatever I'm called can do this. Mm, ah, yep. Got him. He's alive. Barely. He and his wife are in a nursing home in Queens. Would you enjoy to take his soul before it slips out of him? Oh, boy, would I? And it would be nice to see Angela again. Then we shall visit a nursing home. A nursing home in Queens. You do that for me? It's Christmas, apparently. And you're like family. Family, we do not want to stay with us, which is just exactly who you deliver to a nursing home. In Queens. Then it seems like we've got this triangle club situation squared away. I'll roll you right up now, Walton. Oh, Frank, with Walton off to Queens, we're without a gift for the trillionaire. What do you get for the man who has everything? Oh! You have it? I believe I have. For the man who has everything, you get him the one thing he doesn't have. Nothing? Nothing. It's perfect. Just like your eyes, my love. My eyes? Have you seen your nose? You want to talk about perfection? Look in a mirror. Your nose, your ears, your lips... Your lips. What about them? Put them right here. But, darling, I'd get them all over your lips. Yes, you would, wouldn't you? Yes. But they're perfect. Hey, guys. They can take it. Guys, you're on me. Guy, uh, guy, uh, hey, guys, could you move me to the east side of the room? I always kind of want to see what it's like over there. Wow. Uh, oh, God. If I could... Don't want to interrupt, but... Uh, guys... And so, Frank and Sadie find themselves walking tall in the face of a talking wall. Revenge is a dish best left unserved to those married mediums, lest they find out about it, get it drunk, and send it back one fold. Join the Doyles next time when they once again walk beyond belief in a horrifying Hanukkah episode titled The Lady of the Latkes, colon... Deedle diddle, deedle diddle, doom. This next clip comes from a new podcast that premiered appropriately the day after the midterm elections this year. It's called This Is What Democracy Pod's Like, and it's hosted by comedians and progressive firebrands Billy Domino, Oscar Montoya, and Kate Friedman. Each week, Billy, Oscar, and Kate trade hot takes on the week in politics, take the temperature of the resistance, and interview unforgettable guests like Young Al Gore. Death-obsessed Dan Rather, sexy Wyoming politician Ross Dennison, and the head of non-practicing lesbians for Ted Cruz, Cheyenne Dykes. In the following clip, Billy and Kate read selections from their post-midterms congressional erotic fan fiction. Enjoy. 
We've got that Democratic House coming up in January uh, that will be sworn in and Pelosi is likely going to take back that gavel. We'll see Marsha Fudge coming forward. Who knows? But we've been waiting for this for not even just two years since Trump was elected. We've been waiting for this for eight years now since 2010. That's right. And we've had some ideas in mind of what might happen when that house is taken back. Absolutely. Ideas that excite us. Yeah. Ideas that make us whisper. Hmm. Ideas that make us scream. But uh, Kate and I have written up some stuff. Oscar didn't because Oscar uh, was busy last night. Uh, do What? What were you busy with, Oscar? He has no answer for that. He's just touching his coffee as if it's going to save him somehow. Uh, it's not. Kate, do you want to read uh, your little story? Show us what's in your brain, what you're hoping for we get politically out of this house. Thank you for the invitation, Billy. I'm mm-hmm. really excited to <clears throat> have an outlet for my excitement about the house and my own sexual energy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> The air was heavily perfumed by fresh, glistening sampler baskets. Abby was so excited she could barely take a bite as Nancy Pelosi kept talking to her on and on and on. No one told me Congress was going to be this fun, Abby said as she took an ill-informed drag, shooting her straight to the moon. I'm with all that, Nance, but I'm going to be all up in that probe giving my best oh face. Oh, 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 Adam Schiff said as a few people laughed. Not my best. Sorry, guys, Adam said as he asked for the bill. Adam, 1992 might have been Year of the Woman, but this is 2018 and it's Year of the Woman telling you to shut the fuck up, Nancy said, as all the ladies laughed together in a glorious way. Abby couldn't believe the night was already over. Or was it? All of a sudden, it was February and the house was in full swing. New and extremely strict gun background checks were in play and community policing totally took a turn for the best and across the country was totally responsible behind uh, the peaceful burnings of excess guns around the country. Maroon 5 had even played at a recent gun burning event in Austin and it was dope as fuck. Everything was coming up Democrat. As they were about to break for lunch, Nancy Pelosi let everyone know that Trump was stepping down as president because Greg Pence got a message from God that it was the right thing to do. The White House was about to install the House of Reps as one really big new president. Here, here, everyone shouted. Abby squealed in delight. She couldn't believe that she was part of an even bigger moment in history that happened in record time. Just as she was about to call her dad and tell him the good news, she felt another naked, unsocked foot fall upon hers. When she looked up, she was shocked at who was on the other end of the leg, grazing hers. Oh yeah, let's let's all take a walk around the block after that one. (laughs) Thank you for letting me get some of those thoughts and feelings out. I mean, everyone knows that the keto erotica uh, is specifics and Mm -hmm. chilies, Alexandria, Hampton Inn, Maroon Five. Oh, these are all things that uh, that make. That make parts of my body shout. Mm-hmm. That's so nice. Thank you. It's so nice to have like a warm reception to something that like you write and it's such a piece of you and it's so vulnerable and like, you know, you're questioning like, did I put too many time jumps in there? Is it making sense? Like, and it's just, it just feels really nice, guys. Thank you. We are not about kink shaming. We are about kink celebration. That's no right. matter the kink, no matter if it's dangerous to others, uh, you know, you need to do what you need to do in order to express yourself and your body. Wow. Kate. Well, thank you so much for sharing this Work of art. Um, Billy, um, 
Let's yes, hear yours. Please. Yeah. I'll admit mine doesn't have as many time jumps. Mine takes place in sort of more in real time, but uh, well, that's interesting. Oh. In its own way. That's really Maybe interesting. Maybe that's oh, equally erotic. After a grueling eight weeks of auditions and experimental workshopping where several congresspeople lost their lives due to trust falls, today everyone will learn the committee appointments. Quickly, the shouts start to rise above the din. As excitement fills the room with sexy feelings, Mitch tepidly walks towards the corkboard. What committee will he be on? Energy and commerce? Yearbook? Everyone sees Mitch walking close, his neck glistening in the indoor breeze. The crowd parts and a hush falls over. A hush like that time Mr. Boehner cried during the Earth Day assembly. No one wants to be near Mitch when he finds out the news. Mitch scrolls the list with his sexy, hot finger. Commerce? No. Veterans Affairs? No. Pep Squad and Agriculture? Not even that one! Mitch is sad. A tear starts to trickle down his cheek as Ted Lou and Elijah Cummings make out by the junior lockers. Get a room, shouts Jody Ernst through her headgear covered in 4-H stickers. Adam and Elijah do not get a room. They just keep sucking neck, their lips glistening in the indoor breeze. Mitch is about to give up and go home, thinking this new Congress is one he won't be a part of. He'll just have to go home and kill himself like he always does. But just then, he sees one tiny list at the very bottom of the corkboard. It has his name on it, but it's the only name? Oh my god, more. Give us more, Billy. That was far Uh, too short. Holy crap. If you want more, go to your local library. And write this there on a public computer. Have you? Is it a published work that you? I don't know. What do you call WordPress? Is is WordPress (laughs) publishing or not? I don't know. I'm never. Really, I'm I'm fully steamed up. I really am. Is it legally published? I don't know. Is this in the Library of Congress? Yes, (laughs) but I don't know what. I don't know what weight you want to give that. Guess what? Forever Dog has a baseball podcast, and it's about more than baseball, and it's really, really good. It's called Three Swings, and on each episode, long-suffering baseball fan Rhea Butcher reinvents America's pastime with radically sensible thoughts on baseball, history, culture, gender, race, politics, and more. John Lingan over at Deadspin hit the nail on the head when he described Three Swings like this. For Butcher, as for everyone else that cares about the game, baseball is an escape, a beautifully pointless hobby that nevertheless connects us to our friends, family, city, and youth. But Three Swings is a baseball show for an anxious age, one where everything feels connected and ambiently doomed. As such, it has become a journey of a host's self-reflection and self-reinvention. The ragged optimism of that evolution is always visible. Well put. Couldn't agree more. Please enjoy the following clip from Three Swings. We've got a big trade, which is Daniel Murphy to the Cubs. Uh, Daniel Murphy's outspoken homophobia began when he was with the Mets in 2015. Billy Bean, former MLB player and current inclusion ambassador, was visiting the Mets in spring training to share his experiences as a closeted professional athlete and to discuss strategies to the MLB to become more inclusive and accepting of gay athletes, executives, and fans. Um, And just to put a pin in this there, uh, Billy Bean has since said that he retired from baseball because he did not feel he could come out and continue to play baseball, and he needed to come out. Um, so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind when discussing Billy Bean. Um, I think it's always important to keep a timeline of these things, regardless of what it is, um, in mind, which you could also consider to be context, that 
he retired early from uh, not just the sport that he loved and something he was, uh, you know, uh, blessed, I guess, to, to be able to do. Um, he also had to retire from work, quit his job, essentially, so that he could be his true self. And I don't think we think about that uh, often. You know, we think about, we, we look at, you know, the internet and everybody's so pro LGBTQ plus IA, like everybody's so pro everything and everybody thinks everything's fine now. But like, you got to think about these things <laughs> where, yeah, he's all over the place and they made this position for him, but he, that's because he had to retire so that he could be who he is. And that's a big deal. You know, that's kind of a big problem. And, um, you know, I, I'm more concerned about that, that people don't have to quit their jobs or be fired from their jobs than I am about, you know, whether or not a team sells a rainbow flag shirt in their pro shop. You know, it's it, it, one thing is making money and then the other thing is preventing a human being from doing a job. You know, so I think that both things are important, but one might be a little bit more important for me. Um, so in response to Billy Bean's visit, Murphy first called the idea forward thinking before proceeding to say that because of his Christian beliefs, he disagreed with Bean's lifestyle. The full quote is this. I do disagree with the fact that Billy is a homosexual. Something very specific about Christians using the word homosexual, but whatever. Anyway, that doesn't mean I can't still invest in him and get to know him. I don't think the fact that someone is a homosexual should completely shut the door on investing in them in a relational aspect. I would say you can still accept them, but I do disagree with the lifestyle 100% maybe as a Christian. Oh, sorry. New sentence. 100%. Maybe, as a Christian, we haven't been articulate enough in describing what our actual stance is on homosexuality. We love the people. We disagree with the lifestyle. That's the way I would describe it for me. It's the same way that there are aspects of my life that I'm trying to surrender to Christ. That's a great deal of many things, like my pride, which I think is such an interesting choice of words, and I'll get back to that. I just think that as a believer trying to articulate it in a way that says just because I disagree with the lifestyle doesn't mean I'm not going to speak to Billy Bean every time he walks through the door. That's not love. That's not love at all. Now, I have to admit that in 2015, when this happened, I had just started getting back into baseball in 2015. 13, 2014, 2015 was the first world series that I watched since tr- probably 2006. Um, cause I really was, uh, out of sports for a long time, men's professional sports for a long time. And I found out about this stuff mostly via like TV clips and then maybe the internet, but I don't really know. It was a combination and I didn't read the whole quote and I didn't hear the whole quote. And I'll be honest. I just kind of saw homophobic baseball player and went fuck that guy and that's on me number one i have in the past like i don't know year of this year really tried to slow down and not just like i'm gonna say retweet but i I, it's a metaphor for everything which is everything has turned into such like clickbait where it's boiled down to this essential nature that is an attempt to get your attention and also inspire either rage, panic, or happiness. And so I have tried really hard to, if there's something that I see and it inspires any of those things in me, 
and it is on a website that is a real thing, I try to take a moment to read it and see if that's what they're actually saying, you know? Because I've seen so many news headlines or tweet headlines that literally do not line up with what the actual article is saying. And it's it's so uh, disparaging and so frustrating and so toxic for everything that um, you really owe it to literally yourself to pay more full attention to the things that you want to comment on. You know, like... I, I both bristle and completely agree with the idea that there is outrage culture because I think that for a lot of people, outrage has become the new PC culture. And like all of these things are like a toss away, just a way of diminishing someone saying, hey, stop treating us badly. <laughs> but at the same time, there is also people who just jump on board with a thing and act like it's the craziest, worst thing that's ever happened. Let's all burn everything down. And so there's got to be a middle ground here of going, wait a minute, what is this actually about? What is this person actually trying to say? And so I'm actually grateful to the fact that this guy was traded somewhere that we're all going back and looking at this again, because I think that there's a lot here. Because I haven't even gotten to the fan reaction to the fact that Daniel Murphy is playing in Chicago. Um, just to go back to his quote, I, I, I actually, um, I actually think that what he is trying to get at, while I f- disagree, <laughs> because I don't think you can disagree with a human being's existence, because he is able to, as a non-LGBTQ person. And as a, his type of Christian person with his belief system is able to see his lifestyle as a norm or an acceptable one or following Christ or whatever, or neutral. He is in the sort of neutral position to be able to say, you know, essentially hate the sin, not the sinner. And it's a sort of evolved position from hate the sin, not the sinner to say, I disagree with your lifestyle But that doesn't mean I'm not going to engage with you as a human being. And the reason I'm even saying this, and I hope that all of you who probably disagree with me right now understand that I am a 36-year-old queer person who has lived their life as a gender non-conforming person and also a butch lesbian and also all of the things that I've been in my life. I have not been accepted. I have been treated like shit simply for the way I exist on this planet. So please keep that in mind when I say all this stuff. I am somebody that has, I don't like Daniel Murphy as a player. I don't even like his, I don't like his style of play, but I have to be very honest about the way this guy is talking. That I actually think that someone speaking this way about that is someone that you could have a conversation with and say, I get what you're saying, but this is why I think it's wrong. Can we have a conversation about this? Do you realize that as a human being, you cannot separate my existence from my humanness? And the fact that I am queer is not a lifestyle. It is an existence. It is not something that I put on because I feel like it. Moving now from the baseball diamond to the farthest reaches of outer space, we arrive at Treks in the City. 
an episode-by-episode recap of Star Trek The Next Generation hosted by Alice Wetterlin and Veronica Osorio that features the absolute best in feminist sci-fi comedy, plus soundboard sound effects, original songs, and amazing guests like Paul F. Tompkins, Amanda Seals, John Lovett, Ira Madison III, Joel Kim Booster, and many, many more. For Star Trek diehards and novices alike, Treks in the City has an absolute treasure chest of a back catalog. So subscribe and get caught up now before Alice and Veronica jump into Season 4 in 2019. And in the meantime, enjoy this clip of Alice, Veronica, and guest Whitmer Thomas singing an improvised pop-punk song about the android Data and his android offspring Lol from Season 3, Episode 16, The Offspring. I have something queued up. Oh, yeah. There you go. What am I singing about? Saying goodbye to Law. Okay. Law was a really nice little robot. (laughs) She felt a little too much. She liked her daddy and she liked his touch. She had emotion. She knew about paintings. She would spit a drink on her shirt. And one day she got too smart. And her little heart was torn apart. <laughs> so she had to be repaired. But no matter how fast that I got is, hands could move. She had to die because they couldn't improve her. Oh, Dada Daddy. Dada Daddy could have given her a deep thing. Oh my god, wow. what a delight. Best, I wish you would just record an album talking about... Well, we are going to record an album, so maybe we can we have that song be on, be on it. I'll always do like um, uh, little choruses if you need. Me. I thanks so, y'all are really you'll good. You'll be there. Thank you. The unofficial expert with Sydney Washington and Marie Faustin is a podcast that we have always listened to with absolute awe at how funny it is, how fast it is. And so when Sydney and Marie brought the unofficial expert to Forever Dog this year, we were ecstatic. Each episode, Sydney and Marie invite on a guest who claims to be an expert in a very specific field. Flirting, porn, daddy issues, online dating, cookouts, stalking, sex toys, runaway brides. And they interview the guest to test their expertise, deciding by the end of the episode whether or not to crown them an unofficial expert. Please enjoy the following clip from the episode Sex Date Expert with guest Molly Austin. So I show up to the date and, well, first of all, wow, threesomes are a uh, weird group of people to break into, I mm. will say, as uh, because like... Well, I just want to let you know, people who are openly looking for threesomes are fucking weird. Like, <laughs> I, any threesome I've had, it just fucking happened. Any threesome you've had? <laughs> how many threesomes have you had since? Uh, I just, no, you know, you how many? Give us a number. Like, I need a hard number. <laughs> yes, like hard like her spine uh, brace. I need like a one, two, three, four. Give me it. Am I in the teens? Where am I with this? No, bitch. It's less than, it's less than it's, five. So four? <laughs> so, no, so five. <laughs> 
She's had at least five. Whatever, ho. This is about you. This ain't about me. But let's talk about your. Threesome. I didn't know you had five threesomes. Isn't that crazy that she's had six threesomes? <laughs> I mean, seven is the lucky she, number. Eight threesomes is crazy, dude. I can't believe you had that many. Let the listeners think whatever they want to. Y'all know damn well I haven't. What been are with... you doing with your boobs right now? I'm just massaging. She's missing my boob. the threesome because it was more hands on her boobs before. <laughs> I feel like I'm at the gyno with you. <laughs> Wait, what? I'm not touching myself. You're like annual? checking for lumps. I don't. I don't check. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, mm. you gotta check. I know, but I feel like they look smooth. You know, that's true. You're a fool. Anyway, so <laughs> you're you meet up with these people. They're so weird. So I meet up with these people, and did he, you have a preference? You wanted. I mean, I guess it was going to be a girl and a guy. Well, no, I was open. No, I was like open to discussing all options, guy and guy. I'm like. Ooh, that's, that's a porno. Feels, I don't know, something about two dicks feels very violent to me. Yeah. Like, sword, like swords. Like swords, yeah. right? Like pew, 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 pew. Yeah. And like you get a cut somewhere, right? But I'm like also like not shut down to the idea. But okay. I'm also not like. Molly, you would take two dicks? That's what I mean. At the same time. I feel like I'm, I'm not judging you, but I'm judging like you. judging you yeah. <laughs> I think it would have to be like a very, I don't know. I just like, I don't, I don't think I could handle two dicks. I had a friend who, I like I had a friend who two took dicks. two dicks. You think you could handle two dicks? No, I feel like you could handle two dicks as well. Why do you feel like I wipe? What about me? <laughs> I feel what like Molly, you would have like dicks. you'd have one like getting snacks set up, and then you would bang one, and then like he would rest, and then you would eat, you know, little little break, then yeah. bang the other. Well, Molly, one. you got a new back, so you definitely could take two dicks. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I do have a new back. Maybe not two big dicks, but like a like a medium sized dick, and then like a. I'm not fucking around with two dicks for <laughs> for for <laughs> below average dick. Mm. I mean, I feel like people who have threesomes don't have great dicks. I, honestly, in my mind, I'm I assuming. I want to say, yeah. You're no. right. right. That's why they need uh, help. As a threesome expert, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you, no. <laughs> You're Sydney a monster. And her nine threesomes. Yeah. Anyway. So, so I get there. I get there. He's there already. And what he look like? I mean, mm. tell like, me about it. Like Clark Kent. Really? Like 6'3, real broad, Ooh. real like. Tall, dark, and handsome, mm-hmm. just like a knight, like a, like a retired Chippendale. He's like okay. fucking buff, and mm-hmm. he's like hot. You are painting the photo here. Yes. I mean, this man is just like his hands like fit across my entire back. Like he's huge. Wow, he's a huge, like a giant, beautiful man who like yeah, he's like a giant, and I'm just like <laughs> like his right hands. like. <laughs> 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 So you were a dork. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. but if, if he's that big and that fine, I would assume that means he either doesn't speak English or he's very dumb. Right. Yes. No, I, I, I made that. No, I definitely made because I once I dated a male model. So I was like, perfect. Right, this is like, right up my alley. They don't like no words. I mean, I've seen a picture of him. He's good looking, but he's, he don't look dumb. No, he's actually not. He's actually very smart. Yeah, he and looks like, smart. I can see the way he parts his fucking hair. He has a hair. He, he has a part. He has a part. Yes, he parts his hair. It's smooth. Yeah. He's like slick. He's like very. Molly, you should have led with the fact that he parts yeah, his hair. He I said home. Clark Kent. I didn't know that Superman was parting his hair. I know that Clark Kent had glasses. Clark and Kent flies through the air, never loses his part. Never loses that curl. <laughs> Nuts. So what does the girl look like? So she's late, and we are like, and I was like, which Whoa. is a terrible move for her because oh if God. I bring in my man and meet another bitch, oh, I'm getting there early. 
Oh, I'm, yeah. We're yeah. pulling up together. No, no, no. I'm getting there early. I'm like, no, together is there. the move. Right. Like, it was weird. Where was she that Mim- he got there first? Meet me early. I'm going to get there early. Talk to the waiter. <laughs> Listen, another bitch is coming in. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be messy. So, right. Well, she get. Oh, my God. Sydney is really. <laughs> why is it so violent for you? <laughs> and it was like, I'm under the. Well, I'm told that it's her idea. Mm. The whole thing is her idea. The that whole means thing he's is- about to break up with her and she's panicking. Right. Right. That's what that is. Wow, you just ruined the end of the story, Sydney. Well, I'm, well that's no, no, what no. happened. That, but I'm, no, I'm saying that's a fact. Like, if you were like, yo, I'll do whatever you want so you could stay, it would be a threesome. Well, yeah. Not me. What, See, this, this, is why I don't, this is why I don't care about how men feel. I'm not a desperate Hail Mary pass to keep my man is to bring another chicken to the situation. No, 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 no. I would never, here. I'd be like, if you want to go, go. And, and also, I'm never going to bring someone into my situation. Yeah. I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm going out. out. I'm going out. Yeah. I'm going out for food. <laughs> I'm going you out. know what I'm talking about? Because yeah. I want to go home. I don't want these people in my home. I don't want them no. in my space. No. I don't want like, no, no, no. I'm here I don't want to never see these people again. I don't even want them to be from this coast. Yeah. Boom. Well, you said they are in California. Look at God. Look at God. In addition to the thrilling adventure hour, we also had the privilege this year of working with Ben Blacker on another one of his podcasts, The Writers Panel, which celebrated its 400th episode this year with an amazing live show at Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles. The Writers Panel has one of the most impressive back catalogs you will ever find, featuring in-depth interviews with Vince Gilligan, Amy Sherman Palladino, Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key, Damon Lindelof, and many more television luminaries. The Writers Panel is the definitive guide to our golden age of TV, and I hope you enjoy this highlight from the live 400th episode, which featured an incredible panel of writers and showrunners, including Caroline Dries, Latoya Morgan, Alexander Cunningham, Monica Breen, Christine Boylan, Chernold Edwards, Angela Kang and Jennifer Hutchinson. Well, it seems it seems to me that a lot of the requests for free work come from a place of fear yes. uh, on the the buyer's side. It's we we need to feel secure in paying you to do this thing, so do all the free stuff first. But what's hard is when you go into pitch, and I would love to hear from every, everybody here who's like sold all this stuff because I've sold certain things and some things go and some things don't. But they want a. Uh, this is such a Tony Robbins thing of like a need for a need for a need for like certainty and a need for adventure mm-hmm. at the same time, and and that's what they want. They want certainty. They want to know you have all the secrets of the universe in your iPad or in your cards or in your head, however you pitch. But they also want to be enticed. So they want you to tell them everything, but they don't want you to tell them everything because they want to they want to be seduced, yeah. and and that's important too. So like the last. I've been back and forth working on a couple of pitches the last couple of months and trying to find that level of, I'm the kind of person who I will like arrest you for eight hours and tell you every single detail of this whole world. And nobody wants that, obviously, right? Um, But at the same time, the 10 minute pitch is like, I haven't even gotten into the part where the angels come down. Just, you know, (laughs) just give me five more minutes, you know? Uh, So, I mean, the balance of what do you keep and what what do you not keep? And walking into a room where... If you're pitching on a book, you have to assume no one's read that book, even though the people you're bringing with you, the producers, will have read it and they know it, and you know maybe you know the author, maybe that's going great. Podcast, they probably heard it, right? But because they're not readers, right? Yeah. Well, I, they, I mean, and to be fair, it, they they have to read a lot, sure, and they all have families, Absolutely. and it's you know I get that. But I don't get it. <laughs> I want them to have read more, but I never expect it. 
you know I, that's the thing so uh, yeah what's the balance for you guys of of like uh, of like seduction and enticement versus listen here is a chart of five to seven seasons and here are the points we're going to hit and it's going to spike on twitter season four because of this right. just trust me like wow. what how do we do that well in the details that you think are important versus the ones that are important yeah. for telling that story I mean, well, first of all, sometimes it doesn't help if they've listened to the podcast. I found that, like, I had better pitches on Night Vale when maybe they weren't as familiar with it because they have expectations if they've listened to it. They think, this is going to be who you're following, this is going to be what the show is, and then if you don't meet those, then you're not, you're not selling to that place. Um, it's a hard balance, and this is something I consistently struggle with. I am the person where I go in and, I'm like, it's never the right amount of detail. Like, if I overdo it... Uh, my agent's like, oh, wow, you really, apparently you gave a lot of detail. And then if I underdo it, it's like, oh, they want you to come back. And it's a hard balance. And so I think the thing that I have found is, because you're right, they want to know everything, but they don't want to know anything. What they really want to know is, do you know everything? Yeah. 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 And and if you can communicate that to them, then I think that's when you have a more sort of successful moment. Um and so when it comes to details, I try to do a thing where, like, there are specific details that I highlight that are important to me that I feel like I can pitch really well because they're meaningful for me. And then they're like, oh, she has details. There must be more details. Um, it's not always successful, but I think that's the thing. Is like, do you have a point of view that's really strong? Can we, can we invest in you even if we don't have it all in our heads? Yeah. Monica, you were uh, oh, nodding your no, head during a, this. I mean, I have no answer to this because I struggle <laughs> with it all the time. And the one, the most successful pitch I had, which was Midnight Texas, I walk in and give them 30 minutes of a small town story. And it was based on a book that no one had read. And I was, they looked at me and said, turn around, Monica. And I turn around, and there's a picture of um, Jamie Alexander's back with all the tattoos on it, you know? And they're like, make it that, and you got a deal. And they walk out. I'm getting high fives from the producer. I'm like, what just happened? I didn't picture it, though, at all. Like, it's a small-town soap opera. What is, what is this? And... And then... Before they picked up the show, because I was like, they're never making the show. The show, I got the pilot made. It was delightful. I had a really lovely time. I was in New Mexico. It was really pretty. And um, I was like, no one's ever doing the show. There's a talking cat. There's angels. I don't even, it's crazy town. But it was a small town soap with supernaturals. And I get called in. I was like, can you make it a demon of the week? Because if you can, you got to sail. And I'm like, ah, what did I pitch? Why did I pitch? Just tell me what you want. This is a make your own adventure. So, like, I don't, I don't 100% have answers because it was successful. It worked. And the show, as wackadoo as it was, got a second season. So in a strange way, I'm just like, all right, let me just go into this like little you know, rabbit hole and just figure out what's happening because no, no one knows. Like That's what's amazing to me, that this no is, one this knows. This is NBC. This was NBC, right? And what, what year is this? This was like two years, two, years two years ago. This was like right after we fucked up on Constantine and did a serialized oh, yeah. <laughs> show we with demons. And they, yeah, and they yeah. were like, "Can't you just make it like grim? Can't you just can't you just oh, no, do amazing. an exorcism of the week?" I was like, "But all exorcisms are kind of going to look the same if we do that." But you nailed it. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, it was just it was 
you work very hard on your pitches and you work very hard on creating a world in your mind that you understand and you know how to break the story, you know what the emotional arcs are, and then you just get thrown these things. Like, pow! <laughs> Make it this! And you're like, all right! And I mean, you know, part of it for me is I always think of this job a little bit like a Project Runway challenge. Like, it's like, go to the 99 cent store and make a gown! And like, and I feel like that keeps me sane. Because otherwise I will go crazy when they tell me to make a gown out of, out of construction debris. But that's, you know, part of the fun of the job is like, all right, well, let's make a gown, I guess. From A to Z, we have finally arrived at the end of the Forever Dog roster with Alexis G. Zoll's innovative interview podcast, Zoll Good. On each episode of Zoll Good, Alexis interviews a fellow comedian, entertainer, or influencer about their life and career. And she also interviews one of their parents or siblings or best friends or colleagues to get the real story behind their public persona. The interviews are then cut together in a point-counterpoint fashion that makes Zoll Good really unlike any other interview podcast you've ever heard. In the following clip, our last clip, Alexis talks to comedian and director Bo Burnham and his sister Sam. Enjoy. I was always incredibly, incredibly competitive, and I still mm-hmm. am competitive. And I have to unlearn that stuff, but I feel like a deeply, deeply competitive person. And I've only... Yeah, yeah. So did you always see him kind of going into entertainment, or what was that prediction on your end as to where he would end up career-wise? Honestly, I just always knew he was going to be great. Like, I still tell him to this day, which he laughs in my face, that, like, if this doesn't work out, he can just go be a brain surgeon, and I truly believe he could. Like, I really think he's just, like, that smart and great at everything. He's kind of just... He's kind of just awesome at everything he does. Again, it sounds that sounds like I'm being weird. I really think that. That's very yeah, that's that's the that's <laughs> untrue. And yeah, that's part of the, the, the her her and my mother's uh, want to tell me that all the time is actually a burden that I'm I've been trying to shake since I was 3 years old, which is like you guys have to stop telling me I'm the smartest, greatest boy that's ever lived from the time I'm two, or then I try to seek that from the world. And anything less than that is obliteration to me. Um, so now I just nod and smile when they mm-hmm. tell me that. But it's very sweet. And I know they. I know she actually does believe that, which is very sweet. Yeah. Um, but it's very not true. Um, but once he started doing the plays, it was like, oh, my God, you have to keep doing this. You just have to. I mean, he was so good at acting and so creative. And then once he started performing um, and doing the comedy stuff, just everything that he writes just feels... Yeah, I mean, right when he got started, it felt like, oh, of course, this is what you need to be doing. Uh, She also mentioned that you, at one point, got really into magic. Sure. So what sort of sparked that? Probably just being a loser and thinking, why not just complete the vision of myself? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I'm already down here, so unappealing to women and my peers. I might as well start doing magic. No, Um, (laughs) like I don't know. I just liked it. It was probably performative. There's also something fun about it. I also liked math and tricky, puzzly things. And there's like magic sort of blent the world of like theater and performance and puzzles. And again, just repulsion to everyone around you. You know, it also, yeah, I don't know. Do you, I still love magic. Do you feel like you were repulsed or people were repulsed by you? No, <laughs> no, you? I, I think it was no. And, you know, I, I, I was somewhere where it's like, you know, probably the coolest kid in class was doing magic. Um, but yeah, I, I felt 
I felt uncool. Not uncool. Yeah, I mean a dork. Nah. That word is that word's become something else. Um I, I was just like a passionate little dork. Okay, so you had Still like am. your specific interests that you were very into. Yeah, just like theater and magic and I have friends where I look back, I'm like, man, you were cool. Like you you were cool at twelve. Um it's not not about being cool like you were cool necessarily to those around you. Um yeah, I would I would just always uh yeah, just had eccentric interests. I yeah, think, I think I there say. is something cool about being a young person and liking what you like and mm. not being, you know, concerned if that's necessarily like the coolest yes. thing. I think that gets cooler and cooler in hindsight as you get older. You're like, oh, I was confident. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. You know, in hindsight, I wish hindsight did 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 worked on magic. <laughs> <laughs> it just isn't working for me. It's immune. Spengali decks and and foam rabbits are not really helping. Um, you know, we're not getting any better in the rear view. But no, I had a lot of fun, and it's like I I guess I I sort of understand where you're coming from as well because I am an only child, and both mm. of my parents just think I am the bee's knees. They mm-hmm. just love it. Uh, they think I'm great, and then so when I go into things, I'm like so. That was great. It was great. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Good. oh I, I want everyone to think that I'm as good Yeah, as the it. world's not your parents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Well, yeah, no, but it really is. No, but yeah. I'm not even saying that. Like, yeah. I, that's a realization for me. And like, it's, it's, it's a realization for a lot of people in, mm-hmm. I think we're vaguely the same generation, yeah. like on either side of it. And like, yeah, we, we, we do need a lot of, it's, it's, it, it's not necessarily that the love and the and the affirmation is the issue. It's that the lack of the other like w- there, there's some value in having like a psychological thing to overcome to look at your parents mm-hmm. and go, "I'll show you," and like run out into the world to prove something wrong, uh, and to not have anything to push back against, and to feel like it is hard. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's not it's not more difficult, but it has it, another type of problem, um, and. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's a strange thing to have the privilege that sounds like we did of 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 being supported. That concludes the best of Forever Dog 2018. You can find all the podcasts mentioned in this episode at foreverdogpodcasts.com. You can also subscribe to them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a chance, please leave your favorite shows a rating and review and let them know you like what they're doing. It not only helps more people find out about our podcast, it's also very appreciated by our podcasters and our production team. Speaking of which, you can follow us, Forever Dog, on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team for the latest news and updates. We have a lot of exciting new shows coming your way in 2019, so stay tuned for that, as well as amazing new episodes by all of your favorites from this episode. So thank you very much for your support, for listening, and we'll see you in 2019!